the time has come, the walrus said. <laughs> Do you ever know that from Alice in Wonderland? It's like one of my favorite scenes. I thought it was you were going to tell me it was from like the Beatles album. No, it's um, the time has come, the walrus said, to talk of other things, of shoes and ships and sealing wax, of cabbages and kings. And while the sea is boiling hot and whether pigs have wings, pigs, Hello, Calais. We're gone today with cabbages and kings. And it's like the cartoon and they eat all the oysters. The walrus is. I know exactly when you're saying it. I can picture it all in my head happening like madness. There were certain cartoons when I was a child that kind of frightened me or certain things that I know we're supposed to like, like Wizard of Oz, um, that it frightened me so much as a child, as an adult, I have a hard time watching it. Really? Janie, we got some cartoon trauma. Let's go. Episode 93, baby. We're back. (laughs) (laughs) It's not cartoon trauma. It's just like (laughs) if I have something else with my time and there's something weird about like the walrus and top hats and the way like certain animation moves. Like I don't love Fantasia. It creeps. I love Fantasia. Dude, I listen to the Fantasia soundtrack every day. Like literally every day, just because I love um, the Rite of Spring. It's like one of my favorite classical songs. And mm-hmm. I love Sorcerer's Apprentice. Oh, my God. And I listen mm-hmm. to uh, Black Swan all the time. I know what all these things are by Swan, heart. Like I should say, excuse me, like Disney. I And I've seen Fantasia. If I'm just being honest, like I've seen it probably 20 times, but if I'm being honest, how it feels in my heart no, when I'm no, watching it, yeah. it doesn't feel nice. It feels the exact same as how I feel when flying monkeys are on the screen in The Wizard of Oz. Okay. We were talking about centaurs earlier today, just you and me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you the centaurs in Fantasia, I thought that was like top goals. <laughs> like They were so beautiful. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those cartoon centers were so beautiful. <laughs> Wait, centaurs, minotaurs. Yeah, centaurs. You're right. I was so confused for a minute. I was picturing the bullhead one. <laughs> no, the we can talk about Marianne, but that's, that's, <laughs> that's a whole different do some show. Recap on concerts. No, I, I would love Yeah, that. you're right. There's a lot of um, body shaming going on in Fantasia. <laughs> Because the four hippos, they're just trying to do some ballet. They're trying to be dainty. But in fact, if you've ever seen a hippo in the water, under the water, if you watch There's it. There's a viral video. It's a reel that's like everywhere right now. And it's like me under the water. Have you seen it? They're so like. It's like you under the water. What do you <laughs> mean by this? <laughs> like People are sharing it. And you look at this angry hippo and when you see it underwater. It's just like gliding with its like little arms and legs. Like looking so dainty you think of yourself as an angry hippo somewhere i don't know maybe like a hungry hungry hippo you remember that game (laughs) yes (laughs) it got out so much aggression i know you tell me all the time i have like a messed up body image so don't (laughs) i'm not calling myself a hippo right now like that no i just mean like even like uh, the type of creature in the jungle, like um, <laughs> like it's like me, a hippo. It's walking around like, what do you see yourself as that? But re- in reality, you're just a little thing under the water with your little hands like Ming. just Ming. gliding through the water. Yeah. Anyways, guys. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> it's episode 93. 
this is what I'm going to affectionately call. I was thinking about calling it flowers in the attic <laughs> earlier mm. <laughs> as we go into my flowers. That's room. shadow work. <laughs> but I'm still going to call it the ketchup party, I think. <laughs> flowers in the attic. Like Miss Patty, my mother. She would watch, she would read all of E.C. Andrews anyway. So they were always floating around my house where you couldn't find anything else to do for some summer days, but lay by the pool and read E.C. Andrews. And then Flowers in the Attic was so bizarre. <laughs> it's so fucked up. <laughs> I used to catch, first off, it was on fucking like television when we were children. It's just like, who was paying to put this like on syndicate on fucking TBS? But I used to see it sometimes on TV and I always caught like the first part of it and I never got to the part of incest. And so I was always very intrigued, like, ooh, flowers in the attic. I want to see what happens here. And then obviously I got older and figured that out. And then I eventually read the book, which is just wild. Um, and I think I read the sequel to it, but I have a what really, the sequel called? a really great I was sitting story. here thinking, what was the sequel called oh, to that book? Know. I would have to look it up, but it I have has a something to do. It's clever. She okay. was clever with the titles of that series. I remember thinking it even as a child, like I see you VC Andrews. <laughs> I see you girl, but uh, it was so creepy. <clears throat> now I could probably look at that. Like, wow. So traumatic. This poor kids a little more, but as a child, I was like, what is happening? Is this just normal part of adult storylines of things? The second book was called Petals on the Wind. Then there was one, two, three, four, five, six other books. I didn't realize that. What was the lead character's name? I feel like it followed a character. Uh, there was Chris, Kathy, Carrie, and Corey. They were all C's. And then the mother and father were Christopher, or the original mother and father were Christopher and Corinne. But like this one details more about the mother having to go like try to ask her father for money and getting dressed up and getting like basically sold or like trying to get a man. This it was just a whole thing. But yeah, uh, I have a great story about flowers, guys. So that's why I was gonna call it flowers in the attic. <laughs> But yeah, uh, it's been a minute as always. We've missed you. I've missed you. I just, I don't know what it is. Like I love podcasting. I love when we do this. I love putting something out. I love getting the feedback, but sometimes I just get like so scared of it and I'm like afraid to come here. You know what's so weird for your audience? It doesn't seem like you've been as gone as long as you actually have been. Why do you say that? Like for you, you haven't sat down and podcasted in a really long time, but for your audience, you released your episode right after Guatemala to them just not too long ago, right? Like two weeks ago or the beginning of August. Yeah. So you actually really do miss them. I do. In a way that they don't understand how much you we miss them. We talk about it literally like every day. Yeah. I don't know. I got to get my shit together. You know, I've just been trying to fucking fall in love all summer, getting wrapped up in stupid men shit. 
getting my heart broken and stomped on. And, you know, I should just come where I know the love is. I would make a sticker. Like if I made merch for you, I would make a sticker that says, where in the world is my Maria? (laughs) Because I I feel like it's almost like, um, like at the beginning of Scooby-Doo, like the last time we hung out with the gang, <laughs> I was like, just back from Guatemala. And like, here we are, what, like two months, three months later. I know. I feel like you have to fill everyone in. I know there's so much to talk about. I do want to say though, something about that. You said, where in the world is my Maria? And I want to talk about at least like, I complain a lot. We all complain a lot. And sometimes for me, reality feels so goal oriented, like life seems so goal oriented. You know, when you grow up, you're making all these different milestones and then it's 16 and then it's 18 and then it's 21. And then we're just like trying to achieve all these goals right now. And like, I'm so obsessed with being in love and like wanting to lead my life with that love that like, I, I have all these things happen. And they turn out horribly because, you know, that's just how the cookie crumbles for me these days. But I need to stop being so goal oriented and realize how nice the ride is. Because I I said something on one of my stories one day and somebody responded to me and replied and said, like, you lead the most like exciting and incredible life. Like, I'm so jealous. And I thought to myself, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> as I'm like laying on my couch, like braless, you know, like with like cans of many cans of Diet Coke everywhere that I take like two sips out of and like all this shit in my life. Like, come on now. <laughs> hey, come on now. And I'm just like, how? Like, what the fuck? And then I thought about it and I think about all these things I do and these experiences I have. And yeah, like I do have a fucking incredible life and I got to remember the ride, you know, instead of being so like, Oh my God, I went on a date tonight. It was crazy. And this happened and I saw a concert and all these different things, but like it didn't end. I'm so sad that I didn't get love, but I got to think about all the other stuff that's happening at the same time. This is a really true thing for you. Like, what is this daily accomplishment journal? When if when you stand back and look at a week, you have a pretty amazing week. When you stand back and look at a month, you have a pretty spectacular month. And when you stand back and look at a year, you're like, damn, I'm living one of the dream lives. It's like you're just um, maybe you're so present in your observation. But what you like, so you're so you're like bored in the moment. I know I I do. I I do get bored in the moment sometimes. And then I'm like, ugh, like you're like at this amazing place doing this amazing thing. But you're like, is this happiness? Is this joy? Is this joy? Am I is is this joy? Is Dolores experiencing joy right now? (laughs) (laughs) You guys, Chaney and I talk a lot amongst ourselves about like happiness and joy. Like, will, will we be joyous? Like, will we experience joy? We, here's the thing. 
we believe in joy and happiness. We just believe it's a fleeting emotion. It's not a state of being. No, I think it's a state of being. I think what you and I are trying to get to is a joyous <laughs> state of being. No, so so like, you I think it's actually some place. You think it's a possible place of existence. I just feel like I know to me, like I'm the biggest fucking sap in the world and everything is about love and a man for me. But like, I just think like if I got to this place with the man of my dreams and we're experiencing all this shit I'm doing right now by myself, like that's joyous. You know, yeah. overall, I think you can have a happy life. And um, I if think I could- like overall and then I think you could have moments of extra happiness. Um, if I could sprinkle a little sex in my life, still, I think I would be joyous. <laughs> it's so weird. I it, <laughs> it makes me like you're the girl with the most partners, least amount of sex. Don't say so many partners. Well, I just That's mean not true. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't mean it like that. Like you're the girl. Um, with like men in my you life. have more opportunities than you think. I think you're hard on yourself because of how often you turn people down. So then you take the um, whole of the whole entire experience and then you're like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with me? Because you don't want any of the people, uh, those other people you only, you know, like the person your scorpion wants the person that doesn't want you. I know rejection truly just like seems to fuel me. <laughs> Here's the thing. <laughs> I I'm trying to say yes to things in ways that I might not have. Before. I mean, another T-shirt for you. What? <laughs> say no to the injection. Yes to the rejection. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But okay. So I went out this weekend. Well, I got to We got to backtrack before I. I had a bad Friday night and I'm going to tell you I had a bad Friday night in a little bit. And so I'm just, of course, like on the phone with Cheney, like, ugh, you know, questioning my existence and having the fifth existential crisis for the day. And I decided to go out and have a late dinner, like an 1130 dinner at night. And I had some guy friends that were out um, having drinks downtown and they were trying to get me to come out with them. And I hadn't gone out with them before. So I had my dinner. I went out with them. And I will tell you too. Okay, tell your me. audience, they see your life and they're like, this is a pretty spectacular life. They don't see like you didn't I'm I don't think so. You didn't put a picture of what you ate at that meal in your story. Yeah, I did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a basic bitch. <laughs> okay, well th- th- even more so then. I even think like that stuff too, like that's like just stuff you eat on a regular basis. Like you, you treat yourself. You have self-care. Oh, like I self-care so much. Yeah, you do a lot of things right and in your heart on yourself in places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I like, like a fancy. That was a fancy dinner for sure. I had yeah, sorry desserts. I interrupted. No, you're Go good. On. I had two desserts. It was delicious. But I went out and I met up with my guy friends and then my guy friends wanted up leaving. <clears throat> One ended up going, talking to another girl. And I got stuck with this like country fucking bumpkin all night long. And 
he eventually propositioned me to have a threesome with his girl back in their hotel room. And I'm just like, this is the kind of sex that I have the ability to have, not just like. (laughs) Yeah, you can have Miss Vivian sex, but like (laughs) you can have porn sex. (laughs) Janie and I seriously contemplated it for a little while. Cheney and I. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to pick you up in an hour. <laughs> if only that were possible. <laughs> you sent me the thing and you contemplated it. And I was like, oh my gosh. Um, if you were to do it. But then I was thinking too, if you were in that situation, what would be an ideal setting for you? Like if I was actually going to do it. Yeah. Like what would be the ideal situation in it for you? Two dudes. (laughs) See, (laughs) that's what I mean. Like. (laughs) I'm probably never going to have a three. So I'm way too possessive for that. But for like a couple hours, I thought about it. (laughs) You're like, um, it would have to be two straight men. (laughs) You said my ideal. I mean, I guess it's yeah, ideal. two straight men. <laughs> so um, I connected with him on Snapchat and he sent me all of these Snapchats yesterday and I haven't watched them yet. I'm scared too. <laughs> this is the thing about me. I get like involved in these situations or I send like a risky text and then I like leave my phone for hours because I can't look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do things like that? Is that just me? I I, I don't. It's like, I I feel like over the past, (laughs) one of the things of like control, it's like I have to control my inner dialogue. Sometimes I have the worst and I say it to my friends or what I want to say or the real me or I control myself or some people that really know me can see me in situations and hear me in a way that they're like, ooh, but I'm trying to get just so much better at not um, unibombing my whole my own life by like things I utter. I'm trying to watch my words inside my head happen instead of just say them so much. <laughs> but I don't think you say anything really negative to anyone. Like I've never known you to have like a mean, mean streak. No, but positive stuff doesn't always need to be said. <laughs> And that's where we obviously have some work there. <laughs> I'm like queen of positivity these days. Just like I know me too, because I just think it. it and I want to say it, but it's like, um, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so we need to go back. First off, what am I going to call old dipshit? What did we decide in your podcast? Is he just Ray? Yeah, got- and that same emotion that I just felt when you decided on it, I felt on my podcast to remember that I was excited about it. <laughs> okay. So randomly I'm obsessed with auctions. Like I just, I don't know how I, I do know how I got into it. I bought some land in the neighborhood that I grew up in two years ago in like March, 2020 when it was a bankruptcy sale. And I was like on a conference call while I was doing it. And it was so exciting. And I went above the amount that I wanted to spend, but it just fucking happened. And it was so exhilarating. I fucking loved it. The next week I bought a fucking golf cart at auction. So since then, 
I have emails and we'll come back to that in a second, but I have this land, um, and the place I grew up and I originally thought I might move back there, build a house. And then the pandemic happened and prices of wood went up and I don't want to pay my taxes and haven't for a number of years. So nobody's going to lend me money at this time either. Uh, so I just stuck a sign out in the yard and listed it for sale by owner at like the very, very top of what I like more than I should get for it. And I got uh, contacted by someone. We'll call him Ray. And uh, Ray ends up buying one of them. And we enter into this like strange financing agreement where he has like until November to pay the remaining one third that he owes me. But this was in like mid to late April. And I end up meeting him Labor Day or excuse me, Memorial Day weekend. But in between that time, <clears throat> it was like I just knew. I don't know. Like, so the the neighborhood that my that I grew up in has like a country club connected to it. And it's just the perfect tiny like neighborhood in the city where I grew up. And I ran around the golf course my whole life. Like I stayed at the pool from like eight years old on and it was my babysitter. I worked as a lifeguard. I worked as a uh, cart girl. Like my grandmother's house is on the golf course. It's just like this character in my life. It means so much to me. And as like that month went on before I met him, I just, all these people started like talking to me about him and bringing him up. And I like Googled him and I couldn't find much information on him. And then <clears throat> there was like a big party that kicked off the summer and it was coming up and there was a party before that. And I went and he wasn't there. And then I heard about it after the fact. And I, we were being flirty in text messages without even like knowing each other, with just like talking to each other's voices. And I got on social media and I would literally search him every fucking day on social media all the social medias that existed. And like, I became friends with him on Facebook and nobody puts shit on Facebook, but like I would still get on there every day as if like something else new was going to happen. I don't know. It was just like electric. I felt it. I knew it was going to happen. And it did. Woogie, 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 woogie. It did. And it was just for a moment. It was so fucking good. And it happened so quickly for a moment, it was a timeline. It was a version of you. What do you mean? Like for a moment, I it was like all happened so fast and perfectly, almost like water flows. And like even like here's this random dude. He's going to buy your property. You guys meet. You're hanging out. Um, you're you like the same character, the country club. Um, you know, the same people, um, you like his big boisterous vibe. He is verbal in a way to give you these things. Here's something I think we're all learning lessons in as people's words don't match their, match their actions. And that's a really important thing. So when people, um, like, Ver, like people always think of love bombing and it, what it means to them, but they don't think of how much that verbal love bombing of telling somebody like, oh my gosh, I love you so much. I see this future with you. Like I, you're the woman of my dreams. These kind of things that it's a verbal love bomb in a way. 
like that is it kind of was all the things, but you, because you're a person that your words and your actions match. And so we're starting to expect this of other people because my, right. if you, you know, say something, I really believe it. Like yeah. If you, and if you tell me you love me like two weeks in, like I'm also a narcissist that I think you like, I, I think I'm so great that how could you not well, you believe in, in the you? fairy tale that you're like, oh my gosh, like I love you too. Like, let's do it. Like, let's, you know, um, have this whole whirlwind romance that starts in this completely, you know, nineties rom-com like woman wins. We like literally saw each other across the room. I walked into the country club and I looked at him and I knew it was him, but I like, we hadn't seen pictures of each other yet really per se, like that we knew of. So I pretended like I didn't know it was him. I went to the other room. I did a lap. I talked to everyone in like front of him and then eventually met and was like, Oh, how do you do? But it was like, it was just so magical. It was the way that you want like any story to like envelop. Like we met, we went out and we talked by ourselves. We got in my golf cart. We went on a golf cart ride across the country club, like across the golf cars, golf course, excuse me. Like everyone was watching and it was literally maybe not like an hour into it that he was like, okay, this is it. Like you've just changed my life. Like. And it was like I the white it, lights turn on the sixpence none the richer fades in. It and was you're like, here we go. Perfect. OK, I talk about this sometimes. I can't remember the last time I have, but I am always searching for the perfect meet cute. And like the meet cute is this moment uh, that filmmakers used to uh, talk about the moment where like two characters meet in a romantic comedy and like it's the the moment as their like love story unfolds and I'm always wanting this like perfect meet cute and like this was it like this business transaction we hadn't seen each other before and then when I start talking to him and I'm like yeah I've been literally looking at your picture for like days and he's like as soon as I had you on the phone and you told me he like tried to offer me a lower amount than I was asking and I was like I'm gonna be real honest with you bud I could sit on this property for the rest of my life and never sell it so like this is the price if you want it you can buy it at this he was like oh I was so turned on you're so forward and confident and it was just so fucking cute the funny thing is he was like the he's Greek but he kind of looks like he's Italian and he was like the Ray fucking Leota type that like I have been searching for this whole time like I love the gangster like it's the Sicilian in me like from Goodfellas, like as far as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster and it like checked all those fucking boxes. So fucking into it. And then like two weeks later, Chaney and I are talking about it and we realize that I think it's the same day now that I look about it and we did never talked about it. Oh, it's the day before Ray Liotta died on May 26th. And then I met Ray, this Ray on May 27th. And Chaney was like, Ray Liotta was sacrificed. <laughs> Like you had like, to sacrifice Ray Liotta for you to fall in love. <laughs> you know what it said on Ray Liotta's um, headstone? What? He was a good fella. Oh, really? No, I made that up just now. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see my face go like, oh, really? Yeah, you were like, he was a good fella. Oh my God. I tried to tell him that one day I was like, we had to sacrifice Ray Liotta for us to be together. And he thought it was a <laughs> fucking loony tune. <laughs> that was the start. 
looking back, the future proves the past. Future proves <laughs> past, y'all. Uh, I don't know. It was great. It was like pure, beautiful, great love for like maybe three weeks. And then homeboy got scared. He got really, really scared. And like the genuine like walls down. Like there was this moment we were in Nashville one night. I'll literally never forget this. I know I've already told you this, but I've just dated a lot of like shitty guys that like haven't really made a great deal of effort per se. And I'm not saying that this is effort either, but we had like gone and bold like his best friends were in town we met their kids it was a whole thing so we had changed our shoes back and we were walking up this hill and my shoelace came untied and as we got to the top of the hill I was like hey can we stop for a second like my sock fell I gotta fix my shoe and like he bent down like this six four man bent down got on his knee and like untied my shoe and like fixed my sock and put my shoe back on for me and it was like this moment I was like nobody has ever this is so silly. This is so small. Like I can tie my own shoe, but you're this type of person that you're always telling me that like the chivalrous version of you, that is you would like put your jacket down for a woman as you're walking down the street. Even if like she wasn't necessarily going to walk through the puddle, you still would. And it was like that. I was, I thought about you a little bit for the second. I was just like, Oh my, like, this is incredible. And it was so <laughs> endearing. Like this man is just tying my shoe. And then it's like quickly as that like magic was there, it like went away. And he eventually broke up with me and said that he couldn't commit and like timing and he needed all this time for himself. And like, it's so silly. He told, like, he hasn't dated anyone in, like, 15 years, which obviously is a problem. And he basically said, like, for, hold on. First off, that first weekend, he's like, I'm buying your lot. We're going to build a house together. Like, we're going to, like, we're going to end up living on this piece of property together. And the week before I met him. Hey, this like, is my future wife. Oh, yes, this, is, this is what we were doing for three days straight. The week before I met him, I told you this, actually. I was like, maybe I'll fall in love with him. Maybe I'll marry him and I'll divorce him and get my land back. <laughs> and I think that um, that's what I everything I kind of like adjusted to of like love verbal love bombing in a way. He was like telling you all the things that you were oh, no, like he totally love bombing. Totally. And I told you this from the very beginning. I was like, Cheney, I fall in love really quickly and I'm not going to do that here. Like, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to observe. I'm going to let him be the one that leads this. And like, we went from zero to 60 in like 0.2 seconds. And then I feel like I'm the crazy one now after the fact. And it gets blamed on me. I was like, dude, I was just following your lead. But um, is that and this and I'm not really putting it on him in the same thing of a cycle. But this is stuff I really hear from people. You get love bombed and then gaslighted. Mm hmm. And so, and that's the cycle of a narcissist. And you know, those stupid fucking TikToks that we see all the time. Like, I remember being like, there was one talking about how men will pull back at like a month or like two months or something like that and explain it all and why they do it. I guess mine happened a little early, but I, I like hate stuff like that. It is so fucking predictable sometimes. Um, 
but like it's silly like I told you this as far as like sex in the city rules go like I should be done with this I should be over it like three three and a half weeks that's all I get to mourn this relationship um and every time I get to this point where I think I'm over it I just fucking I feel like I'm emotionally like I actually feel emotionally connected to him in like that empathic way where you say people say that they like feel other people's emotions like even from a distance because I'll be like fuck this fuck that and then the next day I just want to cry sucks I believe you can get attached to people in that way but that's the whole thing about like Constantine the stalker I felt that motherfucker's heat from six hundred miles away but there are things that i say with my dude brain to you that i don't care what he says i almost want to give it out as advice mm-hmm. don't leave shit at their house oh yes okay i he told me to leave shit at his house and i, I did. know don't it's like almost make a point of going around to get all of it in a witchy way of energy like almost make a point because if they miss your you and your things, it's like all inclusive. Like you don't need to implement a device or a, a totem to make them energetically think of you. If you force that, it always backfires. And so I think like as women, women try to like put things there, um, like even in a small way, like they won't even notice this. This is in an empty space. This is all the way in the back. Mm-hmm. And I think that men just feel encroached upon, especially his age. He was like a little older than you. He was a decade older than you. My whole thing, I wasn't doing it so that he would think about me. No, I don't think you were at all. You were like, this is totally convenient. Like, so I'm going to be here every fucking weekend in the summer. Yeah, I don't think you were at all. I just think it, it's part of the like, oh, if I leave my this here, he'll think about me or he'll call me or this that, and the other. No, I agree with you. I wouldn't want to be that type of person. And I don't think I would have sent stuff there. Like I just send like a dog bowl. Like I needed to send a dog bed. Like I didn't want to ship that stuff to Nashville and then drive it somewhere else. But when he was like, oh, please, he's like, you can move in if you wanted to. I want you to leave as much stuff here as possible. And it's like, oh, wow, let me please not listen to anything. Like, again, I expect when somebody says something that they mean it. And it's like, and no, really because if you, all. yeah, if you got to that place with somebody, you would mean it if you said it. And so we're just getting to this place, I think, spiritually. And I think this is maybe sometimes this is maybe something that Christians have been dealing with for a lot longer. But I think any kind of spiritually woke is dealing with this because you kind of level up in this way that you're saying what you mean and you expect the same out of the people you're talking to. And energetically, if you're taking it in and you're like, I want to believe this person time and time again, I want to believe what they're saying, but something inside is saying like, they don't believe this, or this is a part, like, I feel like they're wearing a mask of some sort. And, um, so then you like step away from it now that you're like, he might, it might like be authentically who he is, but it could all be from fear, but it's a mask regardless of he's not going to take it off. Right. And we always want to change the mask other people are wearing, but we can't force that. Something that you taught me when I was like going through this and naturally complaining to you every day 
um, like we can, you and I can only meet people where they are in their level of growth. Mm -hmm. And I think I've gotten into this habit of, I've realized through my like growth and my trauma and all this bullshit that my entire life, I have picked people to date from a distance. I met my husband at a distance. I met my ex-fiance at a distance. Everyone I've ever dated has been in this like long distance relationship. And when I've been working on myself these last little bit, I told myself like the next relationship that you get into like you have to live in the same city as this person because like you think that like all of these men that you've been with are emotionally unavailable but like really you're the one that's emotionally unavailable and I kind of like to like have my cake and eat it do and do my own thing and have my own space and my freedom and so being in those long distance relationships for so long there's something about just talking to somebody through like electronic means only like it sucks don't get me wrong but it forces you to get intimate in ways that like you might take you like six months to a year if you were just hanging out with somebody in person you know what I mean like it forces these like almost like hard conversations or like intense conversations I think do you know what I'm talking about something right now that like it's a Forcing someone to words is a really beautiful thing. And sometimes distance does that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like forcing somebody to give you words is maybe in your romance way or in anyone's like it's kind of what they want. And so like sometimes not being able to just be like a hug or a kiss or a fuck or, you know, cuddle or whatever and you have to give someone words, it's more intimate because you, the words they pick is everything, you know, when I, when I'm prepping a client to testify, I'm telling them, I'm like, you know, I want you to be concise, but at the same time, like this judge doesn't know you from Adam. So like you have to paint a picture with your words in a way that like they connect with you and they know what you went through and they know what you're feeling and they know why, like you need this relief from the court. And I feel the same way in these like forced long like even though I fucking hate that I had this person who catfished me and eventually assaulted me and became my stalker like dude like we were like we knew so much about each other and we connected in such a way because like for 18 months we were just talking online like getting to know each other in ways that like I didn't know anyone else and when I started talking to Ray and Ray and I had to talk from a distance and it was you know, I'm, I'm at what I consider some sort of elevation now in growth and vibration and whatever the fuck all that is. And so I was expecting to like sit down on a Tuesday night and like have some intense conversations, like, you know, learn about each other, talk about X, talk about Y, talk about this. And everything was like so shallow, so shallow. And I was like so frustrated. And at one point you were just like, you are used to having like the deepest of the deep conversations and connections, like even in podcasting, what you and I are doing right now. And you were just like, this is the deepest conversation that he's like the last conversation that you and him had was the deepest one he's ever had. And like, you were like, you need to stop expecting so much from somebody who's like swimming a little bit deeper every day. 
And so I don't say any of that stuff about him because I don't really care. But I just think that's interesting for like maybe somebody to think about that. Like if it seems really shallow, but they're trying, you know, nobody off the bat is going to talk about things the way that like you and I do. Yeah. And sometimes it seems so weird. You're begging for somebody like, I want to hear what their words are. I want to hear what their words are. I want to hear what their words are. You're like, you're begging for it in a relationship. But at the same time, sometimes you might just be a person that's getting blessed with the words to say it, that when you say it aloud in front of them, when you're honest enough, like authentic enough to say whatever the weird thing is of how you feel or what you've been through or your trauma or your healing or your whatever, Sometimes you saying it aloud, even if it's your thought process of going through it, talking about them and yourself and whatever, um, they're like, sometimes just saying it aloud is like the first time somebody put words to their own thoughts. Like I hear this getting asked to people so frequently, like, do you hear a voice in your head or are your thoughts just random pictures or do you have a couple of voices? And it's kind of like, when you hear those voices in your head, how long do you let that idea ruminate before it becomes your own? Or if you get those pictures in your head, like, is it an immediate thing that you think and forever feel? Or is it usually like slow slides that get put like in front of something to change the color? And so it, when you're a really deep thinker, a deep swimmer, a deep feeler, it sucks because there's going to be less people to provoke that in you, to take you deeper and you deeper. Okay. I love that you just said that because like somebody provoking that in you, if I've told you once, I've told you a hundred times that like, I feel like a conductor. I feel like I am conducting all the time and that my the band in front of me is ever changing. The song is always changing, but like no matter what the song is or what genre it is, like I am conducting and I am so ready. I think let's call it depth level because of the depth level I'm at. They're like, I, I don't want to be the one that's asking all the questions all the time, but I feel as though in, in all of my relationships, whether it's not you and I perhaps, but, um, in friendly conversations and familiar conversations. And then especially in like relationships like this, I feel like the conductor all the time. And I just, maybe it's that like um, me having to be in like my male dominance all the time. Like when I get home, I just want to be submissive and like in my relationship, I just want to be submissive in a way. But then I think I was also telling you that like, even when I'm not conducting and I'm kind of, I just sit back and I observe and I allow somebody to, converse with me that like even when I make that decision like I'm still conducting even though I'm not conducting you know it's so, like will I always be the one that's like I feel like I'm feeling something right now like Mave, like in this Mave, Mave or you Mave you Mave or like why are you fighting going back to sleep like you need to just accept the level of woke you are and stop being mad at it and stop right. Be like, you can't 
start treating like in a Westworld way, like you can't start treating the humans as bad as the other humans if you're having this awoken level. So in the Westworld way, you can't start killing the other robots time and time again and adding to their trauma of their little red ball inside their head. You can't do that. You have to like keep slowly working with them and planting seeds each one of the lifetimes that you know one day they're going to remember. One day, all the times that you woke them up, it's all going to come back to them. So you just keep implanting the things in the lifetime. And it's just like, it sucks because it's almost like you're wanting so badly for a reflection, but you need to just accept your whatever like role or instrument you are. I just, it's so funny these days, like whether you're on a date or you're with somebody you think you love and and it's just, you're having these conversations and you're watching this person and you're asking questions and you're being like, it's so astonishing to me how many times I ask someone a question that they never ask me back, you know, like they'll go into this, especially via text, but definitely in person as well, where they like just go into this whole thing and they answer it and the conversation either ends or it transitions And I just, I sit here and I'm just like, well, anyone ever asked me a funny question of their own? (laughs) Like, but instead it's like a, it's almost like a gift. It's like, if you were like a 300 pound dude that could lift 500 pounds and every girl you went around and you just like, you don't even have to go up the stairs. I'll carry you all the time. But then if that dude sat resentful on the bar stool, like when's someone going to carry me up the stairs? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I guess, you know, it's like you're a dragon that's like almost mad. Like when am I going to have a dragon? Instead of just being like, it's, it's not because when am I going to go on an airplane when I could just fly by myself as a dragon? Yeah, Like you can't, it's, I know I'm telling myself in a projection way to you, like realizing some of this now. Um, but this is kind of the important thing. I think about people communicating with each other, with their actual words and vibrations and not just Facebook thumbs up and then downing their friends' lives and thinking it matters. The thing I think is so was interesting, though, about Ray is that when Ray decided to break up with me. Well, first off, hold on. Let me back up. At one point when I'm like trying to get deep with him and I was trying to ask him things. And at one point he told me he was like, I've told you everything that there is to know about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just like I felt sorry for him. You know, like a, a lot of the time I was just looking at him and like, there's just so much that you don't know, you know, like there's just so much that I could teach you. And I kept coming back to you. And this is like my, my age old dilemma with dating, you know, part of me, one time I put something up on my story and it was like, what, if you're a man, like, what would you like to tell women? Or if you're a woman, like, what would you love to tell a man? And uh, a man said something along the lines of, can you guys just tell us exactly what you want? And it ran all over me in a way that like, I know I've said this to you before, but like, I'm a fucking unicorn. I'm the creme de la creme. I'm the best. I'm, I'm so good. And I know how to do all of these things and I'm considerate and I'm thoughtful and X, Y, and Z into infinity. 
But like nobody taught me that. Nobody came down and was like, Maria, here's your wife handbook. Here's here's how you act like a wife. Here's how you do this. Here, here's how you do that. Like it's something I cultivate inside myself and I'm very good at for a partner. And I just like for men, I don't know if it's like if you feel it in the lesbian community, but like I don't want to teach you. Like, where's the man that's like me that like knows how to treat a woman and like he didn't have to read a fucking handbook on it? Okay. In different ways. It's like no one taught me, but at the same time, like I was such an observer at a young age. Um, I saw what shitty was. I saw what people treating each other shitty was. And then I also got to see like my dad was so chivalrous to my mom. I never saw her touch a chair or a door handle or nothing. Like he treated her like, like a sovereign, like when she was walking like he just took care of it. Um, but in the same way, my mom represents a whole lot of, uh, she's like grand gestured and like Leo in this way that she is full of big ideas and it's really colorful. And so it's like, I got to see the best of both of them, you know, and the worst, uh, and hopefully not represent the same thing. But I think also, um, we are like, we're kind of brainwashed with the idea of the movies and the books that we saw in our house growing up of what those things are. So I kept coming back to you saying like, okay, am I going into this, like expecting the best? And then I I'm disappointed when he doesn't act that way. Or do I go in with kind of no expectations, but at the same time, I'm like, I need to teach you how to love me. So, I'm sorry, excuse me. How how does that, how do you do that? And then like, if you see, and I hate, I hate, hate, hate that I see potential in people and that I hang my hat on potentiality. But do you look at someone who could be like a ball of clay and check so many boxes, but just needs like to be shaped in a way? Like as the conductor, will I always have to shape like this mound of clay in front of me? No, I think like a really important thing is that um, it's not, you can't change anyone and you really want to respect people's boundaries, but they also have to have their actions match their words. And I don't feel like you have to tell anyone like what you want all the time. I feel like you just have to set your boundaries with the stuff that you really don't want. And a lot of like just a natural like stuff, like you'll let them know of what you like if they're present. And that is ways that you're like, holy shit, this person's like listening to me because they care or they're touching me in a way I want because they're paying attention to my body's reaction, not even because they need words or they, you know, like I think from all the chakras from the stuff that they're feeding your head and your heart and your, you know, root, I think, you know, and everywhere in between. It was interesting though, to see someone who, who like had depth, but was like choosing to intentionally be shallow. And then there was like a distinct pivot. Like it was like, okay, this is too much. I'm scared. I can't handle it. Let me immediately start treating you differently. And he used to, he was like fighting with me about things. He's like, things aren't going to work out between us. And this is why he took like three things that I told him about myself the first night that I met him and used them against me for like weeks. It was you, I told him I love to travel. 
I love live music and I like to go hiking. Those are just like three things about me that, that we had in like a first conversation and like, he like put hooks into them and just like fucking like dragged them back and forth. What? You're muted. Like weights. Like Like he put so much weight in this, like just three random things that if you were to fill out a dating app. And you were just like, here's three random questions. Like, You're like, I didn't like, pick the questions. If this you was got- like a fucking icebreaker. And it was like, okay, Maria, please introduce yourself and tell yourself three things. Tell the class three things that you like. This is what I would say. He never asked me a lot more about them, but he just immediately decided he didn't like that. So he decided he told me he doesn't travel. He doesn't enjoy traveling. He's seen everything that there is to see, even though he's never really gone abroad. But he's seen everything he ever needs to see. He would like hold a gun to his head and he probably still wouldn't go on a hike. And he doesn't like live music. And then at the end, when he was like, well, we're breaking up and this isn't going to work. And I don't love you, even though I said, I like, I do love you, but I can't do this because I need more time for myself. He was like, it's not going to work because we're fundamentally different because you like to travel. You like to go on hikes. and You like to see live music. But it's just so sad the way that people um, like I used to like laugh at him when he would say that to me. I was like, you do realize that's the most ridiculous thing you've ever said. And then at one point he was like, "Okay, well, what does that even mean? We're going to travel all the time. How many days per year are we going to travel? And I was like, Ray, I'm not negotiating like my PTO with you. Just wild. But I said all of that to say, why did I say all of that? There was a reason somewhere I was going with this. I don't know. The weight he put into it at the beginning. I know I'm trying to remember where you were going as well. I, um, I don't know. It, uh, we're talking about potentiality. We're talking about teaching people. Um, Yeah. I just feel like, I don't know if you can, I do feel like we plant seeds in people. Unfortunately, we never get to harvest the fruit of the seed. Mm-hmm. But, like, but all of that if someone's going to so change, it, they don't really change for you. They change for the betterment of the whole. And then sometimes it benefits you. This is where I know I was going. Hmm. And I said this to you as well already, that like the fucked up thing about me in my life is that prior to finding out that Constantine was not who he said he was in this like catfish character, we had this like really intense verbal connected long distance relationship. And my growth that I started in 2020 was like all these things that I fucking learned from him, like 2018 and 2019. Like he showed me like narcissistic traits of my parents and like the triangulation there and like how that was affecting me and like, my work and my love life and like how I was letting like childhood trauma affect me in certain ways. And like all this like inner growth I did is due to fucking Constantine. Like the, the way I talk about like emoting and like not becoming your emotion and like feeling your emotion and letting it go was like all things he taught me. And I remember back then him telling me to like not become an emotion. And I was like, dude, when I'm angry, I just want to fucking be angry. Okay. Like, just leave me alone. And I remember him saying like, one day this will all make sense and it won't be so difficult. And like, 
if you don't want to feel something, you just won't feel it. And then to come around full fucking circle and Ray telling me all the reasons why this isn't going to work and he's this way and he's that way and he can't get over it and he's he like he has all these issues and I was like, well, just don't feel that way. I'm like, just wake up tomorrow and I don't feel that way. And he's like, it's not that easy. And I'm like, it is that easy. And it was like, I had become Constantine. And it's such just like a fucked up arc for me. I understand this so much. And um, it's definitely not because I haven't had trauma in my own life and felt like a bevy of emotions and a spectrum of emotions. But sometimes I sit back and observe myself having the emotion and I'm like, is this real or am I going through the act of feeling this thing of like needing to feel this thing to the spectrum of this thing for what reason? And sometimes I do realize there is an energy or an angst or a vibe or a tone or sometimes good, sometimes bad inside that I have to get out and I have to figure out how to do it. Oh, definitely. Like you and I are by no means like connoisseurs or healed or never like fuck up. Like I get into my head all the time. I have 47 different voices in there telling me all sorts of different things. You know what I mean? Like I get into my emotions. I fuck it up. What were you going to say? Oh, this is it like kind of shows my age a little bit, but there was like married with children and the Simpsons and like this Sunday night Fox time. There was a show called Herman's Head. And yeah, and each there was like a character, a, a real life human who played each of the things inside his brain. So sometimes you would see the battle of those Very things like going John on. Malkovich, yes. Very like that. Yeah. Very. But it might have even been before that. Now that I'm thinking about it, like maybe Herman's head was way ahead of its time. Like if I watched it now, I'd be like, holy shit, this show. <laughs> um, maybe anyway. Yeah. But very same idea. Anyways, go on. No, it's just such a weird place to like be. Like, and so that's all. that's a whole that's where I was going with this. It's a whole nother component of the like ball of clay like telling somebody like teaching somebody like how to love you type discussion for me is it like okay I have a wealth of knowledge and obviously it's not Ray but like let's just pretend that it was like okay he is going through something and like this type of knowledge would benefit him would help him like he should acquire I can't force it on him I can't like spoon feed it to him by any means but like I can be there and I can attempt to like convey it and means that I know possible um but how we for sure teach each other things right like, so that's like, part of the journey I don't know I just I like I felt so full circle being like wow like I'm Constantine now and like Ray is me being like I don't know how to get over my fucking emotions, okay? Like, I don't know how to feel it and just let it go. Like, I don't know how to wake up the next day and, like, not feel this. I don't know. It's just weird. It's like, am I supposed to be bestowing this knowledge now? Like, I got it. I I talk to you guys about it all the time. But, like, when you see someone in real life, I don't know. It's just funny. It's just funny. And I, and I said the exact same thing that Constantine said to me one day. I was like, one day, Ray, it will all just click. Here's the other thing, too, about us that I think other people are doing out there as well. 
your exact emotion of the day at this point, like when you get to this other level, you're trying to pinpoint exactly where the F it came from. And we're a lot of the time trying to give that emotion to a human instead of being like, okay, but what's this really about? It's almost like, like you have to ask the question twice how it's like, who's Chris Jenner, but who's Chris Jenner really? Right. But like some people can't <laughs> yeah. handle that yet though, you know? Like I know. I think we're ready for the conversation of like, let's, let's figure out where this emotion is coming from. I know I'm still dealing. I mean, I am like I, a constant, a constantine work of art work, you know, oh, work I'm in a progress. Con- constant work of art, but I wouldn't mind if somebody pointed a flaw out, you know? Yeah. You really though, this is what you can't point flaws out. Why people are on any kind of substance. Okay. Except no, no kind of substance. We'll just say don't point out flaws on people on any kind of substance. Um, and definitely don't do it when they point out one on you. So like that's teeter totter fighting. You're not allowed to add baggage to somebody's complaint. So it's like if if I come to you and I'm like, you did blank, blank and blank and it hurt my feelings. You're not allowed to go. Well, you did blah, right, right, blah, right. blah, For blah, sure. blah, blah, sure. because it's like it's this is it's kind of like in a micro macro. It's kind of like the same way people argue politics with their friends or strangers like they're like, well, your party will fucking have handmaid's tale tomorrow and you're like your body will be terminated three it's like what what are we talking about at this point but it's like let's go back to the og fucking point that i was trying to make at the beginning when you spoke to me like that it made me feel this it's not even about whether it was right or wrong it doesn't fucking matter if it was right or wrong when you did this it made me feel this and it's like if we're going to go forward with this and whatever title, uh, you know, friendship or relationship, mother, daughter, you know, whatever kind of thing that people want to go forward with siblings fighting. This this made me feel this way. Do we correct this thing? Do we discuss this thing? I feel like you should know this thing. I I'm right there with you. If I can be now a brat. And give you one yeah. critique since we're talking about critiques. Do it. This is the thing I preach about a little bit sometimes is like you were saying that like she did this and it made you feel that mm-hmm. like even that com- that right there. Like nobody made you feel anything. You chose no, to feel no that. One, so like her actions like I, I just instead of like made me feel you. I think it's just like if I you're healed this, all the response, way. If you're really healed all the way. You're I'm like when you did this. It made me feel this. These emotions in me stem from my trauma here. Right. I need you to understand that I'm working through those traumas. So please try not to trigger those emotions. Like you're right. There is that whole next level of the conversation that needs to be. But if you're in any kind of relationship with anyone, regardless of the title, those conversations sometimes need to oh, be had so the boundaries is there for sure no i i totally agree with you i'm just somebody who's like trying to like convert my language the the way i choose words down yeah i think okay, it's important we're all in accord a lot this, at this point and instead of making me feel that way i felt this way in response 
because that's one of the things I was telling Ray too. I was like, you can do like you can choose whatever you want to choose. So like you can say the meanest thing you want to me right now and I can choose whether or not I'm going to feel hurt, you know? Like today when he sent me a really mean text message and I said, LOL in response, like I, I could have acted mad, but like I'll choose laughter. You can first. choose to show somebody how authentic you want your response to be, but your lack of response didn't alleviate that you were hurt. He didn't right. get to see it, but you still had to let it out somewhere. Truth. Like you had to verbalize it somewhere. Like I didn't love this. This did not make me feel nice. Like I didn't like this whole interaction. And it's like that kind of thing. It's and that interaction, it's not illegitimate regardless of where it came from, from your trauma. Truth, truth, truth. Like it's like that's your programming. You can only run on the programming you were given. Our job is how much we want to change our programming because it's not really like some things we call morally right or wrong or right or wrong in a court of law, but it's, there's something else that everybody's striving for. That's past both these ideas. Agreed. And I don't know what it is either, but it seems to be tiny little fragments of things, decimal points and fractals. But I love also telling someone when they're like, I'm this, I'm that I feel this. And I'm like, well, just don't feel that way. <laughs> I do not they compute. Look at me like I'm a fuck. They're like, that's not how it works. And I'm like, no, but it is like, just wake up tomorrow and like, and you're really, this is what is like infuriating and the total contrary and of everything I just said is nope. One day you decide to get up. One day you decide to go to the gym. One day you decide to stop thinking about them. One day you decide to move on. One day you decide to have a new job. One day you decide to have a new love. One day change happens instantly and you just one day do it. You're laying in bed. You could be laying in bed depressed for eight years, covering yourself in whiskey and weigh 400 pounds on my 600 pounds life. I don't even know. Cause you know, the camera adds 200 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> you could be doing that. And then one day just decide like, I'm going to be Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> my, uh, my fucking TV is somehow on in my living room and I'm trying to is it haunted I don't know I'm trying to see if I can log into my Xfinity remote and not have to get up and turn it off um well if say? you can't you can always um, I know, I know. but then if you have to edit this you know what it'll never come out again no <laughs> it'll be next to Hugh Hefner flight videos Trying to prove that they were actually in play. Okay, I'm not going to edit this out. So tell the class something funny real quick and I'll be right back. Uh, what is something funny that I have not discussed on air? Funny was like a harsh high level of a uh, thing. It could have been interesting. It could have been an odd fact. And I might have had those. But funny? I don't know. Spontaneity is a little more fun. <laughs> oh, you're back. Back at it. I was just telling all your secrets. Did you see my ass when I stood up? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Catfished. Catfished. 
Okay. Anyways, this story, I'm really just telling the story so I can tell everyone how crazy I was last week. Um, well, you had to catch them up too. Cause you really haven't podcast in a while. I get it. And, um, you I've know, been sad. Like- he broke my heart. We like broke up and then we were still talking every day, like three, two or three hours a day for like two weeks until I came back to town. You know what else dawned on me this moment that your audience might see so much clearer. You were just back from Costa Rica, Guatemala, Guatemala. I apologize. Mm -hmm. I was right. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. We did the component of the story. Yes. Okay. Keep going. And I'm just thinking like, would he have been a level of shallow like, would you have had the glasses on to see or was it glaring because of what you had just like had this whole level of like you couldn't even have like this adventure and live in this like kind of idealistic first world vacation in a third world. You couldn't even have it because your energy was different. And so it was like you had different goggles on almost. You had you Guatemala did give you different programming. So maybe his shallowness was even that much more glaring. Oh, so glaring. That was the other funny thing I was gonna say though. Remember, I got back from Guatemala and I met this other guy guys on um Tinder, and he was going to be the perfect proverbial like fuck buddy. And I met him one time and it was going to go great. And then I met Ray and then I told the other guy, I was like, Hey, I can't do this anymore. I can't talk to you anymore. Like I want to do this right. I'm going to be a good girl. I'm not going to fuck around. And I like wanted to go slow with this, but yeah, I had the Guatemala eyes on for sure. Yeah. I didn't even talk about this much on my page. I got really sick after Guatemala. Like I, emotionally spiritually leveled up there in ways that I couldn't anticipate and then I came back and was sick for almost like a mo- three or four weeks straight lost like 20 pounds I mean I wanted to lose some weight but that's not the way I wanted to do it so I was like so like weak meek and like almost like humbled you know but I like went and he seemed so pure in other ways. And I was like willing to look past the silly stuff. You know, I was like, oh, you're shallow now because nobody's fucking talked to you in 15 years. Like, wait till you have like a month of conversations with me. But in a weird way, he's living a dream life. But right. it's just not your dream life. Like he's actually preparing for a dream life. Like a lot of people would like the life he was prepping for and want it. It's just not in a line with what your dream life is. That's true. And he just doesn't want to adjust his dream life. Uh, uh-uh. and it is a dream life. I could see it. Like I can see his like man cave existence. I can see it in oh, enough yeah. of a way with my dude brain where it's just like pool halls and horse tracks cigars and golf simulators huge you know ice cubes and the best whiskeys and conversations with guys that have really sailed their boat to antarctica like different kind of like dudes he wants that and he wants to gamble he wants the high of gambling like oh that's the other thing though it was such an experience for me to Okay, like I've been talking about breaking the nine to five psyop forever. I want to break my own nine to five psyop. I haven't had the courage to do that because I like the money in the game too much that I'm acquiring at this stupid fucking job. 
but Ray was so unconventional and he was a poker player and like he was doing this like marketing job for the time being but he planned on being this poker player every day like that was his job and it was the first time that I truly was not judging someone whatsoever because like normal young woman might be like well that man can't provide for me like that's atypical like that's weird like your red flags would go up and I was just like I'm not gonna judge like I'm gonna like literally let like let people be whomever they want to be the world is so weird like let's be weird together I don't know it was I guess maybe I've leveled up in my own ways through this I won't be so judgy next time you know what though it's just like getting to these new layers of expectations of what you want to give other people on your weirdness yeah like I let let him know about Maria from the beginning that was weird it's weird breaking up with someone and then putting up fucking stories all the time and wanting to be like so emotive. You know, normally I would just like fucking put up whatever the fuck I want. And now I'm thinking about the person who might be watching my stories. It's so sad. Do you want to know something really sad? I scroll through my thousands of people that watch my stories sometime to see if he's still watching it. I'm such a fucking sap. I got to get over it. (sighs) Mating in the matrix. Just fucking sex. Yeah. It seems like it. um, it, What if at one point in the matrix, in the real world, in the like 3D of it all, if like 100,000, 200,000, 2 million two billion clones were just added like the same way they just had like a whole bunch of vaccines on back order like just ready for the day for the government to be like hey everyone can get these things um what if they just had a whole bunch of clones to release into society in a different way for people to think of npcs what if there's just a whole bunch of things out there running on script or in a way of like if you decide to inject something into your head. There's so much about MK Ultra and psychedelics and psychiatry that we don't know. Could they slowly just put scripts into people? Like predictive programming seems less less like or like that idea of future crime seems less likely to me, but I think they could convince everybody to do anything eventually with the right programming and i think already i think yeah and i think you and i haven't watched i think you've watched a little bit of westworld but like that's the ai in season three of westworld like shaping people's decisions in ways that you have no fucking idea just based on like the ads and shit they show you that's what i think kind of woke should start to mean because i think different people are woke to different things whether it's shit they eat or stuff they listen to and put in their ears or stuff they watch or people they talk to and associate with, like everybody's woke to different level of things. So it's just like, what level of the spell do you believe? Well, what level of the spell do you want to go to? You know, like, are you going to get to the same place that we're at right now? Like, like Ray to me is like the guy in the matrix that goes back to 3D. 
like he's intellectual, he's smart, he's deep, but he chooses the shallow life every day. He he's sitting there with Agent Smith looking down at the stake saying like, I know the stake is fake. I know this. I know that. But like ignorance is bliss. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't think anyone can choose it. I think they actually believe it or not. It's like but the same people that say. Uh-uh. I, it's like, I don't know. I think something deeper is a calling for some people. It's a choice. And for some people, it's something that's a voice. It's one of the voices in their head or the voices in their heart or the voices in their stomach or the voices in their root. Like for some, I do think there's a difference. And I think for some people, they might have a couple of voices and there's more than two choices. We get led into this idea of, you know, the two poles, the two sides, the two wings, the two ideas, the black and the white of it all, but all the spectrum in between. The space between. I just found out. It reminded me of you a little bit. Um, I didn't know Led Zeppelin had a fascination with Aleister Crowley. Fascination. What does that mean? Oh, just fascination. Like, yeah. I thought you said fascination. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was just You're like. You're so sweet. You were about to define fascination for me. No, I was uh, just. I thought you were like, that's kind of too vague. What do you mean by that? Like, give me even more of an example, because that's not an odd thing for you to do. Well, I don't. <laughs> not Sometimes you're an attorney you where you're I like, expand on that. Questions. Yeah. Yeah. Like no, you I just want you. certain things expanded. And, and I also think the attorney in you would lure an expansion on something because there's three different words that could be expanded on. And the pick of the word of the expansion would be a whole different psychological fucking turmoil that you would send people through. <laughs> You would Definitely. do the vague question to see what they wanted to expand upon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, but I, like for that's exactly what I do. Most of the time I ask a very open ended question just to see like your own choice of words and where you're going to go with it. But I do that literally in every fucking. I know <laughs> that's where. For, so for me being like, what do you mean by fascination? Like, I know. Sorry. I really thought you said fascination. Yeah, uh, it would be not <laughs> odd for me at all to be like, well, actually, I don't know what member because I don't know that like I would have had to like actually grasp for a little bit and be like, I don't really know what I mean by fascination. <laughs> so either way, I still got it out of you. I was aware that there was some. So I'll play a question game sometimes. Somebody will ask me my favorite band. I'll say Led Zeppelin. I'll get a handful of messages being like, what about Aleister Crowley? And what about, like, aren't they satanic or demonic or whatever? Yes, I guess. For me, there's a difference between the art and the artist still. And I wasn't even bashing Aleister Crowley when I said that. Oh, actually. I know. No, I'm just, I'm kind of taking a, a, a long, I'm coming back to what oh, I really okay. want to hear. So there's not like a, there's not, there is a difference, excuse me, between the art and the artist. And so I'm aware that there are connections, but I don't know what they are. I've never cared to read about that. At the same time, you and I have a different opinion on Crowley than I think most people do. I think Crowley is interesting to read about in that if this individual could manipulate- Crowley, Crowley, one of whatever. no, my uh, one of my uh, I heard it debated 
on a podcast like uh-huh. in the last week, but it was by an English guy and an Irish guy. So it was making oh. me laugh anyway, because I would have wondered what they said. But apparently Alistair Crowley would make like a little poem when he met people, the unholy Crowley, the unholy. OK, so I uh, I think Crowley is interesting in that this individual learned to manipulate energy, magic, the universe in such a way. And it was negative and it was um, the the dark part of the polarity. So if I can read about what he did and then do that perhaps on my own end in like a positive white light type of way that that that's just, I just that's what I find interesting. So I'm not like I have a, a, a Crowley book here. And when I briefly got back together with my ex at one point, oh, no, no, no. I was with him when I got it delivered and I got it delivered to his place because this was we were together at the time. And he was like, I don't want that book to ever be in my house again. Okay. But that's all I have to say. I'm sorry. No, I totally be. Alistair um, Crowley will fucking trigger people. It triggered me in life. It's why it's one of the things. Everything that I either love or hate, I either loved or hated. Like I've already lived on the polar, the other side of the mirror, anything. And uh, Alistair Coley just forced me to do shadow work in something that it triggered an emotion in me. So it made me scared to look. And I realized that it triggered an emotion in me and I had no real reason of why I had these emotions. Like it was something deeper, almost like it was from a muscle memory past myself, like past life stuff. Not because we never learned about him in school. We never learned about him in college. Like, I didn't know the name until we got into this type of shit. No. And even in like, if you go down the Alex, like Alex Jones conspiracy realm, you don't really hear a ton about him. There's people that know that'll bring up like Anton LaVey and Alistair Crowley and they'll just throw around his name, but you don't ever really know about him and study him and study his works and study his books and study what he's done and study who we've hung out with. And, um, I just think it's so interesting the emotion he draws out and what he drew drew out in me. And I started to realize very like Lucy. Well, the way. people and ideas and the things that draw this emotion in me that cause this spin in me, that's what I'm attracted to. Like oh, really? it's yeah, I realize it's like it's not a fear it's like an excitement and it's an unknown and it's a it's a want to discover it it's like the same way when i just heard the theory this week of like we have ice walls but the ice walls um melt occasionally where there's different uh passageways that can get through to the outside worlds that are in the you know further lands beyond and the then, ice wall yeah beyond the ice wall and it was just like this idea of what this made me do, like, that's a really scary idea. There's lands and people beyond a wall and everything you've been told is a lie. But also it's a very exciting idea. There's lands, undiscovered things. And the undiscovery, I believe, with lands and energy and as above, so below idea, I think in the Aleister Crowley way, like the do as thy wilt, your moral compass of whatever that is, is so it's yours. And so you doing as thy will, everybody gets scared 
so fucking nervous that do as thy will. Oh, my gosh, it's going to be a Marianne bullheaded, black eyed fuck fest. And people are just going to, you know, rape frazzle drip babies. You know, that's what people think with do as I will. But if you really think of your friends and neighbors and loved ones, like people's moral compass is pretty like people are pretty whatever the quote unquote, the idea of good is. Like there's a couple of scavengers. There's a couple of murderers. There's a couple of things. Let's talk about this. I love this. Yeah. Morality. Yeah. I don't think I don't think morality exists. I think morality is a construct. Like I don't at the end of it, like primal, like just fucking here in reality. I don't know. I just think morality is a construct that we decide to participate in if we want. I feel like if I'm just like alone, like a thousand years ago and I'm like walking and I've been myself survival up until this point survival. Maybe I have a cheetah and a staff and like what, however I survive, like I'm Jane of the jungle, whatever's going on over here. If I walked past a lesser than species, a lesser, like a baby of a species, even a baby of a human, I might take care of it. Even if I didn't want that thing at all. I just might intercept on my walk and it wouldn't be a moral code of anything that was given to me. It's just like the same way as like you hear people raised by wolves. Like there isn't a moral code of wolves to raise a human or any species to raise another species. It's like some things I do think so many levels of morality are such a construct like such a like even like thy shalt not kill. Well, people in the old west, if we have this idea of movies and you like stand in the middle of town and you're like, I'm gonna be the sheriff one day. Yeah, it's like sometimes you would have just had to kill. And thy shall not kill doesn't exist if you join the military and you're fighting against a different country. Like that or separation of hashtag archetype. obviously she doesn't have a that shall not kill at all but there's a lot of people that buy into certain moral codes of certain religions but then if they sign up for serving their country they feel like that moral code doesn't necessarily exist because but doesn't that about everything you know like so many people who call themselves religious believe in um the ten commandments one being like you will not covet your neighbor's wife and like everyone i think the older the older you get, the more you realize that like everyone fucks around. Maybe like that's what I think, at least that's might be like my divorce hat and my litigation, you know, my work hat. But yeah, I guess you it just see it like weird. Everyone fucks around. So it's like, OK, we all pretend we believe in marriage and uh, monogamy. I would like to be monogamous with someone. But like, do I think monogamy is like, like that's, I don't know that we're like naturally made for that. By time, by, um, what if you took off all the pressures of world families, religions, bills, kids, parents, would you you want to be monogamous or would monogamy or would it just be easier? Do you think the constructs of all of the I guess why is it so difficult making a promise to one person? Like, why do we all pretend 
that that's what we want when it's not really what you want. Do you, you don't think anybody out there wants that? I don't know. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. No, 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 no. I'm just saying like, why do all these people enter into marriage or pretend that like pretending that you're going to be monogamous? There are definitely people that like want it, do it, love it, get good results. I'm just saying like the people that like buy into that, like, why do you do it? If that's like not what you really ever wanted, you know, like the soulmate idea, like, are you my soulmate? Are you my soulmate? Oh, yeah. I think I've said like, it before, but you but, guys, yeah. when I go outside, it's like everyone, I, every like a man I look at, I like look at them and I'm like, do I think them they're attractive? And if I think they're attractive, I'm like, are you my soulmate? <laughs> it's like Dr. Seuss says, are you my mother? <laughs> <laughs> I know. And so it's like, so I think I'm in a romantic head, comedy every time I like, are I'm looking you for my trying to you. convince yourself that you don't believe in the idea of this construct. Okay. Here's an interesting, no, I'm trying to, let's be honest. I'm trying to convince myself that I do believe it because I'm a bad girl. Like I've done whatever the fuck I wanted in every previous relationship. I'm a bad girl. But like I, I would demand monogamy in return. Sometimes I think it's the attorney in me because I know so many of us. Were you like that before you were an attorney or did you become that way in law school? I was like that way before. You have like a secret emotional contract. Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. Like, why do I pretend? Okay, the reflection of the thing onto people, then are you reflecting really onto the world who you are? <laughs> who is that, though? <laughs> well, Which one is it? Well, because, you know, your ex-husband believed in these things. Right. I got caught. That was and- bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yo- <laughs> We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> I've talked about I can't, that before. But this is what I get right now because you getting caught is um, like part of your MO. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like I wanted to? No, but um, if we were you going to talk about um, what a high... Uh, <laughs> Were you going to talk about what a high level weirdo you are? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) About getting caught. (laughs) Okay. Let's talk about how strange I am. I have to give a slight backstory. I'll try to make this short. I hate talking about myself. You fill them in. No, fill them in anyway. And I have to go get a bubbly. (laughs) Okay. So. Oh, Ray is an avid golfer and. At the country club that we belong to, they were having a championship in the middle of August. And when we first met, he is attempting to transition into this like completely retired lifestyle where he golfs five or six days a week. And in the most perfect of perfect worlds, you know, he's playing on the PGA tour one day. So his goal this summer 
was to win the club championship. And I was trying to be a nice girlfriend at the time. And I was asking him questions like, well, what kind of person are you under pressure? Do you want me to be there like walking the course with you? Do you want like a home cooked meal when you get back? Or would you rather be in solitude? And so as we talked about it, I've been thinking about going to visit Cheney for a long time. And I thought, oh, like that's a perfect weekend for me to get away. You go do your thing. I'll go do my thing. And then as I was deciding whether or not I would fly or I would drive and I knew where his family was from, they're from in Florida and they're like, what, an hour from you or something like that. I thought, okay, in this perfect little world where like, you know, we fell in love and life goes on. Like by the time mid August comes around, like I'm going to take his mom out when I'm down there and you had to work Friday night and I was going to drive down on a Friday. It was just going to work out perfectly. He met my mom before he met me. It's not weird. You know, we're fucking building a house with a golf simulator downstairs the first weekend we meet. (laughs) So I don't mention anything to him about this. This is just like a thought I'm having in my head. I talked to you about it. And obviously things didn't. Yeah. Do you want to say something? No. Obviously things didn't happen the way that they were supposed to. So last weekend was that championship weekend. And I was like thinking about Cheney and Florida and I was melancholy because I'm sad. And I'll have to say one more bit of information because this is why part of the reason why I did it. Um, When Ray told me he loved me. Oh, yeah, he did tell me he loved me. I didn't say it first. And it was happened in this month of time together. We were talking about like the frequency of I love you. And I'm the type of person that will tell you I love you 200 times a day if it comes up that way. Like if I feel it, I'm going to tell you. If I get off the phone with you, I'm going to tell you. I tell my mom, my brother, I love you when I get off the phone. We were talking about that and he was like, God, my mom, she's so fucking annoying. She tells me that she loves me every time she gets off the phone. And one time I told her, Ma, stop saying this. Um, It doesn't, it like degrades it. It doesn't mean anything. It, uh, I don't want to hear it every time. And I was like, your poor mother. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. So it's last weekend. I'm feeling melancholy and I'm ordering flowers for my stepmom. And I was thinking about Ray's mom and how I was supposed to meet her this weekend. (laughs) And his dad died in like 2016. And I was thinking, you know, he's a piece of shit. He won't even tell his mother that he loves her. I bet it's been more than six years since anyone has sent her flowers. So I'm going to send her flowers. I'm not going to include my name. There's going to be no identifying information on there. I went so far as to call 1-800-Flowers and have a conversation with a foreign woman. And I should have known that she didn't understand me and I'm not being judgy. I'm just being judgy now. But we like, I said it, we talked for like 10 minutes and I was like, you're sure They're going to be anonymous. And I asked her at one point to speak to somebody differently than her, but she didn't do that. And then I remembered that he told me once that his mom spends like part of the month in a different part of Florida, taking care of his grandmother. And so then I was thinking about his hundred year old grandmother and probably how she hadn't received flowers in a very long time. So I sent both of them flowers And I didn't have any information on them. And they both got delivered. And I thought I was going to be sly. 
I thought maybe he asks me about it, but like, I would not be the first person that anybody would think of, you know, like old family friend, family member, something. I don't know. (laughs) Damn it. Now I have to edit this podcast. (laughs) Fuck, Janie. You know what to do right now? (laughs) Stop it and restart it. And then you'll have them in two separate sections. So you'll know to just get the end. Fuck me. Fuck you. I was all into the story. (laughs) That's why. It was because I was captivated. Hold on. How do I stop this? (laughs) You should just call it. It would be a testament to your um, storytelling ability that I was in. Where's the fucking it? Stop recording. I thought I was going to be so sly. I thought, okay, they're going to get sent. They're going to get them. It's going to be from whomever that person was. I'm about to, I'll click that back in. And I thought that, you know, maybe he would send me a message. Maybe he wouldn't. I'm going to see him in a couple of weeks in September. And I thought about how we would be standing there on the golf course. And I would look at him casually and say, I hope your mother loved the lilies. And boy, did it not happen like that at all. <laughs> so he did text me on Friday. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> because it was like, you really did such a good job of setting up the country club and the characters. And the like, at the beginning, to now get here, and it didn't go like that at all. <laughs> yeah, so it's Friday night. And there's like a party at the country club and I'm not there. I'm in Nashville. So he texted me earlier in the day and said, did you send my mother and grandmother flowers? And I decided I was going to let him sweat it out. You know, I didn't want to talk about this at work. And I really just wanted him to call me. Honestly, this wasn't an attention grab, but I just wanted him to call me. You know, I told him to like not talk to me, but I still wanted him to call me. Anyways, I only said that because for like two weeks, we talked every day for three this hours. Berry then... tasted so sweet. <laughs> Will he... I ever taste a berry that sweet again? <laughs> Anyways, so I just wanted him to call me. I thought, OK, by the time the end of work comes around, he's probably still golfing. By the time he gets done golfing, he's going to call me tonight. Then I get a text message from my best friend who she and her parents my mom and her her new boyfriend. Oh, shit. We got to talk about that. Um, and two other couples from the neighborhood are all sitting at one huge table together. And I get a text message from my friend that says, did you send Ray's mother and grandmother flowers? And I immediately screenshotted it and sent it to you. And just like. This is one of those moments where she sent that to me and I. I have read receipts on with her. I turned off my read receipts and I put my phone under my pillow and went and hid in the other room. (laughs) You like became an immediate child. Yes. Like, let me hide from this trauma immediately. Like there's a monster in my closet. The floor is lava. So I eventually go back to my room. I get my phone. I explain everything to her. And I'm just thinking the worst at this point. I'm like, oh, shit, he's loud. <clears throat> he's obnoxious. He's gone up to all of them and told every like, I'm sure everyone at this fucking party is talking about this. And I must look 
like a Looney Tune. And like, this was not what I wanted. Like, I didn't even want him to know it was me until like I decided to tell him it was me. And truly, at the end of the day, like, I really just wanted to send someone flowers who probably hadn't got them in a long time. It's so peculiar. Okay, you have, okay. I need you to tell people what you mean by weird and peculiar. It's so weird and so You mean that in a good way. You don't. I mean mean it in a good way because I'm, it's like, I myself am strange and unusual. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I mean it because the world is run on a program that like, like we were just talking about morality. There's nothing immoral about this, whatever the standard of morality that you want to take. It's just matrix breaking in a way that is so odd and so weird. It's like I like I applaud it. It like I don't know how many people it made. It's like the the ripple effect of it. And then you think, too, in the crazy, it's not just the idea of these flowers that exist, but the flower exists in these people's home. The emotion of the flowers exists. So I think the grandmother is going to remember when she got flowers or the time she saw those or the last last time she had them. She is going to have things. I think the mom is going to have things. And one of them, at least, whether the grandma ever knows who sent it or what the whole deal is, but the mom will. and there's a good chance that they're like, well, that's a little forward than a girl in my age, but there's a like, it, it wouldn't be weird. Like the further we went back in history, the less weird it would be to buy somebody's mother flowers. That you it would almost, before. huh? That you hadn't met before. <laughs> yeah. But even if you, it was on first meeting or on a, an un- a thing. If I had taken her We're out in a digital dinner. world now. So as much as I hate it, it's like a weird thing that, yeah, it's so odd and weird and peculiar, but it's like, it makes everybody do something that's off their hamster wheel. Everybody has to react. You know, I love chaos and I honestly just wanted to send like a good butterfly effect, you know, like into the, I, I wanted to put some good chaos and it was a little weird. And as soon as I got the text, that's why I said him, the Alistair Crowley Led Zeppelin thing, by the way. Oh, really? Why? Because Alistair Crowley and Led Zeppelin, it's not because Alistair Crowley makes me think of you, but 777 makes me think of you. And it also makes me think of Alistair Crowley. And then when I found out that um, Led Zeppelin had a thing with Alistair Crowley, I was like, huh, how interesting because of the 777 of it all. So really, it was like in the triangle of the thought of that thing. It was like you were the connecting thing of them to me. Like, oh, that's what I was going to bring up. Like, how interesting. Did you know that like one of your favorite bands also has this thing with this dude that also has this number that you picked out as a totally different number than a Thalim, the Thalima idea of Alistair Crowley's, but how much it meant to him in a representation and a totally different thing. Um, I don't know. It's like quantum explain to like the, the listener. Like I wish I could truly explain to you how seven, seven, seven is connected to me in like a way that I can't, without revealing too much. I was going to actually ask, like, you know, we've been floating around the idea of doing another project, 
will you be you on the other project or will you stay my Maria? That's an interesting concept for me because um, in your friends with Alex Stein. And so Alex Stein is just like an one degree of separation for like being on television. You and I are both friends with uh, Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli was recently on Joe Rogan again. He is one degree of separation for us from Joe Rogan. And so in my, the way that I manifest things and the way that I kind of hope that things might go, like, do I hate government and institutions and media and stuff like that? Yes. But if I, as Maria could get on Fox news and like talk about states rights or, um, you know, anti-federalism or something like that, like what a fucking world that would be. That would be the goal. That would be the dream to be able to like take this platform like that. And so I wonder in that hypothetical, am I Maria or do I have to come out from behind that? Or do I just operate as a pseudonym and Maria is my pseudonym. But like for now, our new project together will be Maria. Okay. Because I actually think like you don't have to lose one thing to also become the other thing. I used to think like you had to trash everything before it. But now I just think that remains the thing always. I really have this comfortable place of Project Cheney where I don't know the frequency like HV gave me it like when she's like, I put out eight a year. I was like, damn, girl, you just freed me from an obligation. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I was like, I was going to hold myself to a week standard. I wanted to put out 50 in a year like, whoo, girl, because it is a lot. And when you're talking alone, this is a thing that so few people get. It is. It, it's because it is a podcasting, it's a spell casting and broadcasting in a way, and it's solo and you're free flowing your words in a way like almost like ghost writing is like you're attaching and you're letting something else attach. So you have all this rant for that whole amount of time that you're hanging out with your audience. And a lot of the time it has nothing to do with you. You're just the instrument and you're the avatar of the voice, they needed to hear the message of the thing. Because so many times you might be like, I don't even know why I'm talking about this. And then 10 people from your audience might write you and be like, oh my God, I'm so glad you talked about that thing. And these are like, this is the, where it's, you know, you and I talk about it on levels a lot where I do kind of like the idea of giving up control of that it's my magic manifesting it. I love the idea of kind of giving that up and just accepting that I'm getting the taste of the future. I'm getting the ability, the clear audience to see it. I think that's the interesting part of manifest manifestation that we don't quite understand yet, that there is this gray line between I think as the initial manifester, you're like, oh my God, I got to think about this all the time, all the time, all the time. My my thoughts have to be positive. They have to be this. They have to be that in order to create the universe that I want. But then you get to another level where it's like, oh, I'm supposed to want it and manifest it and then let it go and almost like disassociate from the outcome. And when that occurs, like the best possible outcome. And But then what is best? It's just like a whole... I don't want to hear the craziest fucking concept. Please. 
I even had to pull my mic close to me like I was stepping yeah, on like, a creek, like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> like we were stepping in a haunted house and the floor was about to give way. Well, you're about to tell me a scary story. Um, just love the pure, the form, the less reciprocation is expected from it. It was so weird to pick the lily pads of the words I meant for that. And I don't know if the concept makes sense yet, but it's almost like how if a mother holds their infant child, they're not holding that infant child and feeding it every second and doing everything that it takes for that thing to be alive because they're like, this thing's going to take care of me when I'm old. Like there's something pure about it. Right. You're not expecting something back from it. And I think even in love relationships or friendships and stuff, um, if the more you can dis the more you can detach from expectation of how much you love someone and what that means of what you expect from them from that love the more you can detach from that um maybe uh the better everything gets but i think it's a really painful process to detach from it okay can i give a little more version or examples of myself i think maybe today uh, so I texted Ray about the flowers. I explained to myself. I didn't hear from him. I called him. I texted him and I finally heard from him now today. And he sent me a really mean text message. And like, I know he was trying to be mean. Like he said all of the buzzwords that you want to say right now that I don't have enough. I enjoy my time. I blah, 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 this, all these different things. And I can see that. Like I can I got the text and I looked at it and I was like, oh, wow, that hurts. But like, I know you're saying this for a reason. And even though I know you're treating me poorly, I still love you. Here's what like, I really think it hurts you, but he isn't like if you change it a little bit, he's really just stating and like really black and white, not because of you at all. And it's really, to me, it's like this unemotional attachment more so than it's uh, even a mad at you attachment. He's just like, um, it's like business. It's like fighting so hard to stay in that 3D, that like business. And I get it. I see it. And so for me, like I'm like old me would have been so upset and so hurt and like almost gone into that like fighting mode where you're like, fighting with somebody like but it could be this and it could be that and you did this and you did that and you felt this way and I used to be that person a lot and now it's just like okay all right like have a good trip you're going on a trip today um I'll still miss you not to say that I'm like oh my god pining that he's gonna come back and change his mind because I'm also this person that's like if it's not a hell yeah if it's not a hell yes it's a hell no but like I know you're sending that to me because of where you're at with yourself. So, and it's just also that. a weird concept. Like, like you I know, feel how- bad for you a little bit, you know, just like, Oh, that's where you're at. Yeah. Well, I, I also just think we, we talk about all the, like how the monotony of every day, like you sleep eight hours and you work for eight hours and you drive and you put gas in your car and you pay your bills and you have your insurance and you, um, you know, drive a certain speed limit and you drive through the drive through and you eat these certain foods and you meet your mom on Tuesdays, whatever you're like, this monotony, this craziness, this like weird 
repetition, these cycles that we're on, you and I like discuss it all the time. It's like he is like, he loves the loop. Yeah. It's like, and he's, he's accepting it. It's like part of it he sees and it's fine. Oh yeah. He's very happy with the loop. And it's so funny. It's like watching someone who has potential decide to like put his NPC hat on every day. And you're just like, I could poke you and like push you a little bit, but like you want that NPC life. Oh, that's what I was saying with that. Um, you're provoking the reference it in though. The, in the matrix, the guy that wants the steak, he's like, ignorance is bliss. Like that's the life that you want. Like, okay. Like I have to just observe that. And like, I don't know. Yeah. Go through. Um, weird. It's weird that you, you know, like in the programming, we do these things every day, these monotonous things. And then sometimes we choose in part of our programming to talk to another human being for eight hours a day and to talk to them for seven days a week and to talk to them for four weeks out of a month and to talk to them, whatever the thing. And then one day we never talk to them again. It's so wild. How do people do that? How do you talk to somebody so much? And then it's like a fucking light switch. I don't get it. I remember one time being in high school and I will call because of the actress known uh, from Phoebe from Friends. I will call this girl Phoebe. Uh, I remember one time hanging out with her and like skipping school maybe one day and going to like sit at the water's edge and just being silly and goofy and having these kind of conversations. What if a T-Rex walked over that hill right now? What if pirates came over the bay? What if China came over the, we would what if each other to death, just about whatever we were looking at. And, um, we had this concept of, isn't it interesting that at some point in life, Somebody that's really special to you becomes a wave. And when you're walking away from that wave, you're like, oh, I wish I didn't even have to wave where the person's actually a waste of a wave energy. And we told each other that moment, like, you'll never be a waste of a wave, at least. It was like this concept of two young teenagers, usually at the point where you're like, we're going to be friends forever and we're going to do these things. It was like we both knew none of those things were going to happen. We weren't going to be you friends forever. Like finality. Yeah, we knew that thing. But at least we would honor that when we turned around from that moment, when we waved at each other, we would be able to nod that the other wasn't a waste of that moment. Like that's so deep and poetic and beautiful at a young age. I love it. Phoebe from Friends. She had the same kind of vibe too. That's nice. I think um, obviously love hurts, but I think friendships are. uh, I've lost a bunch of like I lost two friends in 2021, like two friends from law school, one from college. Uh, They literally just stopped talking to me. Like we were supposed to meet in Memphis when I was in town to see her. I was in town for other stuff, but I was making time to see her. And she sent me a text message along the lines of, I'm not coming. And I don't know that I ever will. And we haven't spoken since then. I'm going to tell you, and this is the create, this is one of those things like driving to work. This is an everybody hurts REM video. It's the same as like these weird 
crazy things that we're all living upon, these weird cycles, you might have posted one meme. You might have said one sentence. You might not agreed with something. You might have uh, thumbs down something. I don't know what small little thing in the hotbed that we lived in from 2016 to 2020 that people did. But I know for a fact there's some people out there that just like are refusing my existence because something triggered them in such a way because everything was just so hot. And I just think that's what it is. They're not telling us what these things are because now the camps are so they're it's they're so drawn by comics, the camp. So if you sit in a camp so far to one side that you wouldn't talk to your loved one, then you or like a friend then you are buying all of the programming and the media. So you see that person, whatever the opposite side is, you actually see them as the comic character that the other side wants you to see them as. It's just, I I totally get that. And all the people that I've lost in my life are batshit crazy liberal, like left-wing nutsos. And I don't like to get party specific, but that's just the way to describe them. I don't know. I I, I kind of love how you said that. And so short, you were like a whole different language. And I just took so long to kind of I wanted to say the same thing, like of all my friends that cut me off the exact same thing. <laughs> that was just short and sweet. <laughs> yep. I'm here for baby. Uh, what was I going to say? Shit. Liberal people. Um, this might <laughs> sound like narcissistic and conceited, but I think I'm really great. Like, I think I'm the greatest of the great. And I think I'm a great, I just like, so when you don't, like when you reject me like that, and I don't mean that in like, I think I'm better than anyone else that like, I'm just like so happy with who I am and so happy with what I can bring to the table. When you like slam the door in my face and you don't want that, I'm just like, how could you not want that? <laughs> but why? And so like rejection for me, like it really hurts and it shouldn't hurt. You know what I mean? Like I should know that like my best, my old best friend, my other best friend, my sister, that like they're again, the left wing liberal nutso NPCs that they are. And like, I can't get upset. I shouldn't get upset that like an NPC is rejecting me. When like that's their programming and they're never going to be more than they are in this moment. Like if they can't crack their own eggshell and find their way out, like literally that's all there is, there is anymore. But I'm still over here emoting about their rejection of me. Like, look at me. I'm healing my own fucking trauma right now. Like who the fuck cares? Same with fucking Ray, you know, Ray's a little NPC too. And I'm mad that an NPC. Because it's, if it's all there to like, I don't know if it's all like level up slowly and observing ourselves going through these emotions and dealing with pain and dealing with our trauma and realizing where it came from. And even saying like, I have a really hard time with reject rejection. <clears throat> I don't know what they are. I'm sure somebody really smart in your audience will know that there's those like, guilt and shame and rejection. And like, there's those certain, there's like five things or six things that it's like, when you boil down any one of our traumas, it stems to one of these five things. And almost like, you know how they say, 
oh, what's your love language? That's a, a really great term of things. But then there's these opposite things about us too that are like our trauma languages almost. And so it's like rejections, definitely one of the ones that it's like everyone, because some people listen to that and they're like, yeah, rejection hurts everyone. Yeah. But it hurts some people differently. No, I'm like, like when I like trauma. Is it like, everyone's going to leave me? Like I'm always going to be alone. So the rejection like ties in it into that in that way. But it's not like I'm not like fucking crying myself to sleep by any means. But no, but it's just like some people have like shame trauma. And it when you know we really say about people you'll watch like um like you brought up Alex Stein earlier. Like Alex Stein has no shame sometimes and he does the craziest shit. And people will be like, Alex, that Alex Stein, he has no shame. And some people have shame trauma, so they can't, you know. I they, used to I had to get over some of that shit, that Catholic guilt shit yeah and or like different body issues or different you know whatever different kind of shame and so and even some people that seem like they have no shame they're like getting into character ready to go on stage like jack nicholson in the shining you know like you know going into that place so they can pull that energy together because they do have shame and they're like holy shit i can't believe what i'm about to do is this ridiculous (laughs) you know and so i i just think our traumas you just have to hone it differently and acknowledging it even saying it aloud on these kind of platforms um I don't know. I kind of think that's what we're here for sometimes. To talk about all that weird stuff. Nobody talks about out loud. Yeah, I think it's the conspiracy too. But I think part of a big, huge conspiracy that they don't want us to know. They're like, if you listen to any one of the like main podcasts right now, one of the big things they're pushing is better help. And everybody pushes psychiatry and everybody pushes therapy and everybody pushes... Look at how much bad science we've discovered just in the past few years about our body. You don't think this shit exists with brain science and the people sitting down and doing this stuff to you and making you go through these weird rituals. And so I just think there were they're like um, better help. It's better than a friend. Like, don't go to just your friends with your problems. Like uh, if we were actually like honest and healed from our traumas in ways we could help our friends, um, it would be a different world. It's because some people are like riding in their jealousy. They don't want their friend to ride higher because they have a fear. If my friend succeeds in this way, they're going to leave me in the same way. Like if you do this thing and shine, you're going to leave me. I, I like came to Cheney. I was like, I've got like, I'm going to the principal's office this weekend when I had to like tell her about what I did with the flowers because I hadn't told her at all and I literally tell you everything like at all times I was driving home from work too and I when she was even sending me little voicemails I was like oh boy (laughs) oh boy at the end of the day even though I was like somewhat hesitant like there are certain things you know that were like oh my god I'm gonna tell my friend this my friend what the fuck is my friend gonna think about me I know we, you and I don't have that and you would call me crazy if you wanted to and it would be okay. But that's what I at least appreciate about the, this type of friendship with this type of understanding is that I don't really believe in therapy. I, I'm not going to therapy, but like if anyone is my therapist, darling, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> But it's nice to like what you're saying, like, I'm not afraid to tell you like the most shameful, silly, stupid shit that I've done because I know you're not going to judge me. 
no, I have to sit in both sides of it. I have to sit in all of it. I can't it like the second I feel like the glaze of cement pouring over me in any way. I'm like, why do you feel this way? And then when it all boils down, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like today I was like, oh, my gosh, after my dad died and I got this crazy amount of money, I did really weird stuff like this to like deal with my pain of it, where I would send people these crazy gifts and do this really. I just needed to feel something. And I didn't know how to explain this to somebody that it's like, um, I had to, I didn't realize I was an empath back then. So feeling them feel good made me feel good in a way that, um, you couldn't feel good about something you did just because you did it. You wanted to think about how that other person felt because of something that you did. And yeah, that there was, was the way that you got like nothing after the pain that, that I could sit in and be like, I can write this story right now of Cheney with her dad dead and how she's going to write her story from here in a way that'll make her happy. But I can't think of all these other people and these little things I can do right now. And like the internet and sending things and delivery. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like so fun. And this is, I, I did some things anonymously where I didn't need, it wasn't for any kind of accolades or paybacks or weirdness from them to me. It was just like, I really wanted to sit in giving someone a lottery ticket. Mm -hmm. Like that's, uh, that's how I felt with the flowers. And I forgot the one key component of this story. Like the biggest thing we forgot to say is that when my best friend texted me and said, did you send the flowers? And I responded 30 or 45 minutes later, she goes, oh, I know they called the company and the company told. So first off, fuck you, 1-800-Flowers. But I just wanted to add that one little caveat here mm -hmm. because you're talking about giving gifts to people and like they know it's from you and that's kind of like, you know them and you're getting to feel it. Dude, I am such a... But I didn't I even ride want the anonymous. I didn't even want them to I'm know. The it was only, me. I might be the only fuck face that would ride the anonymous on the planet. I start to realize this when I talk to other people. Like, there's certain ways that I notice that people are such fucking private eyes now that they can just discover anything that I'm like, I wouldn't even have thought about it. I think the romantic in me would be like, like, you know how you're like, are you my soulmate? Are you my soulmate? Are you my soulmate? It's like that same way of like, did you send me flowers? Like Did the you wonder. send me flowers? You'd be sending, like, you'd just be thinking about that wonder. I, I would have never thought to call the company and, like, demand that it's told to me. But it just ruined it. But I feel you on the, I just want to do something for someone else. This time I wanted it to be anonymous. You're a little sleuth, though. You would have looked. Yeah. But I don't. I don't know that I would have called. No, I don't know if you would have. You figure I, you can figure it out in your own ways without calling. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I got anonymous flowers from um, Bella a couple months ago, yeah. and she wanted them to be anonymous for a couple of days, and then she like revealed herself at the end. But on one of the cards, like the first or second day, 
her phone number was listed inside of it. And so I plugged it into my phone and it was her. And then I knew these were from her. And that's one of the reasons why I called 1-800-Flowers. And I was like, if I put my phone number in here right now as the contact, like, is it going to be on the fucking card? You know? And they're like, no, it's not. And that's why I was like, oh, okay. Like, I'm going to be fine. I'm not going to do like, it's not going to be what Bella happened. This is going to be anonymous. I'm going to get to enjoy this from afar and like think about. You might as well have signed it with a Q. Do at this point, <laughs> I might as well have said, love your son's ex-girlfriend, Maria. You know? We never met. Oh, you're like the stupid. You're like, I'm sorry. This is the best thing. You send an apology letter that says, I'm sorry. Those flowers are from the wrong timeline. <laughs> so they said to you. Yesterday, I was like, I feel as though I need to contact and now apologize for sending flowers when it's just like, how the fuck did like my one good deed get to here that like I'm apologizing now? For Isn't that it. a saying? No good deed goes unpunished. Yes, I have said it all fucking weekend. I said it to <laughs> like, that's all I've thought about. Should have bought flowers for myself instead. But now, it made you do retail Now I got to send them to my fucking mother because all she heard about this whole time. But you know what? Like. This being said, too, retail therapy caused you to like um, purchase something that I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you put it in your calendar, if you were like, hey, Siri, remind me 400 days from now that I'm going to be grateful for the way things turned out because I ended up with my big, huge, enormous truck. And I would have never bought that unless I was in retail therapy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, guys, I'm in. Oh, like overt retail therapy mode right now. I bought myself a 1994 Bronco and she's fucking pretty. And they say that money can't buy you happiness, but this Bronco has brought me so much joy. And I tease because I'm like secretly deep down, this lets me know you're a red pill because that thing is a drinker of gas and it cannot afford a Biden's America. <laughs> You know that I am a libertarian. You know that I have conservative roots. I, I just know. don't believe in party politics. No, and I also know that everybody knows that you're black-pilled, you know, practical. So um, I just think deep down, it even you, I think you're like, ah, subconsciously, I didn't even think about it. Like the gas. Yeah. Oh, I just don't give a fuck. Like gas is expensive. Okay. It's, it's an, an elastic demand. I'm going to fill my tank up whether it's this amount or this amount. So I'm going to get a big badass Bronco and I just like fucking tool around town. It's so fun. A beast. It's a beast. My that's actually my first boyfriend ever had the same Bronco. The beast is what Alistair Crowley's nickname was from his mom. <laughs> from his mom. <laughs> from, from his mom. Oh, from his mom. Shit. The beast. And here's the another crazy fact. So it said that Alistair Crowley raped his maid and got her pregnant and that his maid later became a prostitute, like and which happened to a lot of women at the time if they got pregnant because they couldn't get a job again afterward, like being, you know, like a nanny or a maid yeah. or whatever, blah. Um, she was the first victim of Jack the Ripper. That is some great writing by the architects right there. That is some like, great A screenplay writing. 
How have I never heard this before? That is some wild simulation shit right there, dude. It's like it goes into my um, theory that all can all serial killers are fake and they're just there to hide ritual murder and different stuff for the elite. That's an interesting concept for sure. For sure. Something for me lately, my synchronicity and my weird glitches in the matrix have sped up to a point that they're almost happening like instantaneously. And I just like, I don't know that I buy into like the CERN bullshit anymore. Like is CERN a psyop at this point? I don't know. Like, but I wrote a couple of them down. Oh, like the other day at my office, my paralegal screams and in the stairwell stairway is a lizard, the tiniest babiest lizard I've ever seen. Like the length of like my thumb, if that. And so I went and I got a cup and I approached it from the backside and I got into the cup and I put the towel on top and I took it outside and let it go. And then I watched a television show that night where the same thing happened. You know, it's just like weird stuff like that. Like, uh, there's, um, you guys have a lot of lizards in Tennessee. Mm, not, but the same amount that you do, but we do have them. Huh? Cause um, we have an encroaching of a bigger lizard here. Like bigger lizards are taking over here from all of our really smaller know. lizards. So I keep wondering, like our smaller lizards must having to keep hibernating North or are they not going to be as durable as these bigger lizards? And right. so is it going to be like, are the reptiles taking over again? Jesus Christ, I've got this post that I'm working on because I've been talking about parasites for about a year and I have this parasite doc, guys. Go to my the Oracle's profile, the Oracle 333. This is my backup. There's a saved story called Watch Me. And like the third or fourth story is this thing called, um, it's a document about parasites. It's like 64 slides long. It's really fast read though. And it basically says that like literally everything is about parasites everything is caused by them. And so that's mm -hmm. leading me down a rabbit hole of like Vril and reptilians and the idea of a, of real parasite taking over an individual and like controlling their consciousness. And then I think about how I think cloning might be kind of a psyop and like, are they just like 3d printing bodies at this point? Like, have we now created a stack if you will and like we've honed in consciousness into a stack and like we just 3d print bodies and put the consciousness in there you know what i mean like but, westworld style yeah so i wonder um there's a whole post i'm trying to do that all of the bug propaganda that they've been putting out towards us about how we're going to develop bugs and we're going to be eating bugs because of the food shortages and climate change and all this blah, 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 bullshit. There's so much bug propaganda that the parasites and the bugs, like, is that the whole point to like infect us with parasites? Um, even more so now with the introduction of insects as a, like a primary food source, especially for like developing countries. I don't know. It like all goes back to the movie, the faculty and the skin suit and the men in black. Right.
Yeah, the faculty as well. It's the or uh, invasion of the body snatchers. Mm -hmm. Like that same. It's I, I don't think to me, the reptilian idea, the concept of something being strong enough. We even in small levels of science and a 3D person listening to this, every single animal in your household, cat, dog, bird, human, they all see on different spectrums of light. Every single animal that you know on a level you can look like fish, octopus, shark, they all see on different spectrums of light, even different than the things I named. So it just makes sense to me. And the military is working on things that's cloaked that play with this spectrum level of light and just on a nano level reflect the image actually behind them at the time. So it cloaks as invisible. So I just think the spectrum of light thing, no matter how from technology you want to get to magic, you want to get um, the idea that it can't, there isn't a seeable realm is crazy kind of. Agreed. But I just wonder is the idea of the alien so extreme and so propagandized or like that, that a mask? I meant that like for the a mask, like them just being able to reflect like a hologram onto their face, like instead of a shape shifting idea of being like clone, 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 wouldn't it? It just seems easy with what they'd want to reflect on you in that way with the veils of light. I totally agree with that, but I just wonder if, um, like if the alien, the idea of the alien has been so psyoped that the alien is really like a slug or some sort of small something that is parasitic in nature and inserts into the host. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be this like little green Martian that's hairless and like, what if it just gets into us in some way? And that's, that's what a version of NPC is. is How would a little tiny thing like that get inside of humans? I put something on my stories the other day about vaccines. And I guess as somebody who hasn't had a child, I've thought about it before, but I haven't really thought about it before. Then imagine having a baby and you're the baby and this is your first exposure, you know, where you're no longer submerged in liquid and they immediately shoot your ass up with like hepatitis vaccine. Hepatitis B and vitamin K. Vitamin K. It's just like, like the trauma, you know what I mean? Like you literally just stepped out of the womb. You just came out of the most safe, warm, comfortable, like you were floating in infinity. You were floating in darkness and infinity. And it wasn't even darkness in a way that we think of darkness. It was this perfect, like golden pinky hue of light through a womb veins and life and a heartbeat like just a perfect thud of a heartbeat and then in a quantum connection with your host mm -hmm. and all kinds of levels and you were created in that host's mom so it's like this trinity connection that you're like this thing and then you're in this cold environment and it wouldn't have to be that way but the environment that you know most americans are born into now 
freezing cold environment, overhead fluorescent light, like people slapping you, shots, people sticking things in your mouth, rubbing shit in your eyes, um, like cutting your mom open and like instead of it taking the time for it to be a really beautiful happening for her to naturally um, dilate, they're just like, no, we're going to rip this bitch open and we don't care about her hips dilating. You know what will even be quicker for me than all of this? C-section. And not that all this stuff medically isn't sometimes necessary, but medicine uses it because time is money and they they can just slice and go and slice and go and slice and go and slice and go. And they don't care about your oxytocin and Pitocin and or like the Pitocin release. And they'll just be like, we got you. We'll replace this. They're like, you don't even need to feel any of this stuff. You know what? You don't need to feel a fucking thing. Yeah. And the reason it feels extra, extra bad for you is, I mean, besides that, you're not sick, you're uh, going through the most natural thing humans really could do probably because what came first, the chicken or the egg, you know, kind of philosophy. So it's just like, then it's like someone in the background of the trees was like, look at all those women over there having babies standing up. How can I make money off this? See, (laughs) let's knock her out with all this new medication we've developed. Yeah, let's completely just, you know what? We don't even have to knock her out all the way. We can just knock her out from the waist down. Yeah. I mean, like our grandmothers gave birth and they were knocked out the entire time. They fucking woke up and they had a baby in their arms. Yeah. Or some of them got drugs that they are like, um, I was wasted the entire time, but I remember all the pain. Right. Like, uh, I don't, I'm getting more and more to a point where I don't know that I will have a child, but I and always they want your placenta that- and they want your umbilical cord and they want it. So it's not even just the baby. They take all this other stuff. That's really right. probably really valuable that the further you look back in ancient tribes, the placenta and the umbilical cord are very valuable to them, but we're just like, it's medical science And then the sovereign sitting there and rubbing it on her lizard skin. So she's like, as long as I keep getting this placenta, no one will know I'm a reptile. <laughs> right. Fucking Sandra Bullock on Ellen DeGeneres talking about the uh, facials she gets that are made of like placenta cells or something like that. I don't want to get off topic too far, but can we talk about Anne Heche since you just brought up Ellen? Sure. What in the hell? Tell everyone what happened because I know, but I don't know. Okay. So Anne Heche is driving down the road and decides to floor it into a house and the house totally lights on fire and the burnt to the floor. The person in the house, you know, barely makes it out. And Heche gets put on a stretcher at the scene of the crime covered with a white towel, which I'm going to say traditionally, we don't see that unless um, somebody's dead, but she was covered with a white towel at the scene. And she sat all the way up on the gurney from the top on the towel. She gets to the hospital. We all hear from like TMZ and sources like that, that she's in very stable condition, but she has like a certain degree, third, fourth degree burns over her body. And um, as like within the next 48 hours, as it goes on, uh, she dies pretty rapidly as far as just the wording's concerned. Like they immediately declare her dead. I think I feel like it happened on a Friday. 
they declared her dead on the Saturday, but then they kept her alive for like 48 hours to see if her organs were viable and then they kill her on Monday. Now, talk about why this is relevant for us. Do you know? What? What do you mean? Well, supposedly she was working with a congresswoman on a a movie or some sort of uh, documentary, I'm not sure, about human trafficking. Yeah, I've heard that she was working on a documentary about human trafficking. I was also just thinking of like her big, huge connection of uh, to Ellen, which if people, you know, worship at the Church of Hollywood, um, I think one of these characters up there like a Tom Hanks uh, would be Ellen DeGeneres. And I would say it by the symbolism she put out during COVID from wearing the quote unquote Basque, the frazzle drip sweater to laying on her couch upside down like the hangman. I've dissected all the art in her house. Um, I want um, I wish I could give a shout out to who said it last night. Uh, One of the dudes I hung out with on the spiders, but they say, isn't it ironic that like Ellen left uh, Anne Hage for a hot car and Anne Hage died in a hot car. (laughs) Well, I was listening to a podcast the other day that was talking about how Anne Hage was kind of blackballed by Ellen that, uh, you know, she was very popular in nineties movies. And then after they broke up, she kind of fell off the face of the earth and hasn't really been involved in much. And so this podcast was talking about how the rumor on the street was that she told Anne Hayes, like, if you're going to be in movies, your movies can't be promoted on my show. And so she made that move. And so then like the producers and the big companies were like, well, if we can't promote it on one of these shows, like if there are restrictions, like we just won't use her. Now I'm going to think of it too. I'll just say it. I mean, not that you wouldn't say it, but I'll just say it as a lesbian back then when Ellen first came out, like right now people can be like, Oh, what's the big deal? Why was she blackballed? She wasn't just blackballed after she broke up with Ellen and Ellen ended up with a lot of power because Ellen already had a TV show before she had the Ellen show. She had a sitcom like friends called the Ellen DeGeneres show or something. But oddly enough, the show she was on before it was was named after her. It was called these friends of mine, the show. So the show, like they were like, let's change the name of this. Cause we have this other show that's coming out that we want to call friends. Um, but, uh, being a out lesbian at the time and Haish, I would put her on the same caliber back then as Gwyneth Paltrow. There was this level of her that before she was a lesbian, she was a very marketable actress and it wasn't kosher. People couldn't get it out of their head back then. You could not be an out actor actress and people couldn't get over they couldn't, it. Like wrap their minds around it. No, they would just think about it the whole time and it would make or break your movie. Like you had to play the gay best friend. Like that was like that Julia Roberts whole thing. Remember that Rupert, whatever Everett or whatever his name was. And he was a real gay guy and he played gay guys in movies. It was a whole big deal because it was like, oh my gosh, you're gay playing gay. And it was just like the scene because it was not, it wasn't normal. It didn't happen all the time. So Anne it was like a shaming ritual. It seems to me it would be as equivalent as black man in dress. It's like up there as a shaming ritual back then. Doesn't mean it carries it now. But wouldn't you say Lindsay Lohan, same gig in a weird way? 
didn't she kind of go through the same Anne Hache thing? Right. I don't know. I'm going to be the devil's advocate. And if Q just came back and Trump and Clinton are about to be on another loop in anticipation of 2024, and we're going to start talking about human trafficking and closing ports and adrenochrome and Hillary Clinton and all this stuff. I don't know. And Anne Hayes just seems way out of left field. And it seems like a nice little breadcrumb for us to dissect and find this child trafficking connection and for us to talk about it for like six months i don't know it just seems like a like a little fake and maybe that's the whole point of it is just to like dangle like in front fake of the news breadcrumb like yes the everyone's like oh shit guys it's co- it's connected to child trafficking and did you see her body flare up and all these different things i don't know Yeah, it could be nothing. I kind of just love that we're in a place that a majority of the world is like, that was weird. Yeah, that was weird. (laughs) I don't deny its weirdness. I just wonder, oh my gosh, is this really the deep state taking down people who are getting too close to human trafficking? Otherwise, it just seems really fucking on the nose. I know I kind of it's almost like and you're on the nose back to the thing about are you manifesting the thing or somewhere have we all just got a taste of it like we were talking about ideas of like if we were to do a thing what would we name it and we're like oh my gosh that's a great name and we look it up and that name already exists with one podcast because somebody else pulled it out of the ether so close to the same time we did out of all the millions of podcasts that they exist that's the stuff that i'm like no sometimes things are just meant for a cycle because it's the thing that's supposed to happen like it's the thing you're seeing the thing Like, what if it's all just a giant, I don't know. I think the Fibonacci sometimes, but sometimes I break from the philosophy of mathematics and that I think numbers are just other symbols and math isn't real. It's just a way for the computer to conceptualize how great real existence is. If we do think about like the Fibonacci and we think about the spiral and you take one end of the spiral and you pull it out that's that fibonacci spiral that we're talking about and so if it's inverted and it almost looks like a tornado and it's really really wide and the further you come down the closer it gets so it's like are we ending this fibonacci spiral are we coming it's not a loop but are we coming to the bottom of this loop and everything is happening so quickly because we're turning so quickly because the vortex is so much smaller and so that like, like Anne Heche being part of like the real puzzle that like, yes, consciousness is vibrating higher and the great reset is real. And they're really trying to take out every single thing that could pot- potentially be waking up all these other people. And it's just like a sign that, that we're seeing and it seems unreal because everything is happening so quickly. Like we're in the Gravitron energetically. But in all of us, like, like it's the 11th hour. Yeah. All of us on in listening to this, everyone that listens to this show, my show, your show, all the shows out there that are kind of on this idea because they all kind of unfolded at this time as we got came closer to like singularity. 
we all met on the Gravitron when we were already up against the wall. Like some people already had like six stomachs and weird eyes where you're like, this bitch better not throw up. And I, if you don't know what the Gravitron is, you guys, that's that ride at the fair that just spins faster and faster and faster and you're lifts up. And then you lay it looks back. Like a, it looks like a spaceship. Yeah, kind of like a spaceship and it goes up, up, up and inside you're like laying against the wall. But eventually as the it spins faster and the gravitational force pulls you out, um, there's like a real force that's called you're, you're, uh, you, perpendicular. You like go up. Yeah, but there's like a real what's the scientific term for what that force called when it pulls you out like that as you spin faster and go up in that cyclone like kind of way. Not velocity. I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but okay. whatever. It's really easy. It's like one of those real easy ones that we probably learned in like seventh grade. I just can't think of it right now. Something motion or something force. Anyway, um, but it's that right at the fair. And I feel like all of us met each other on the time where we were already stuck against the wall. So like we were just us. about to start going up, but we're all stuck against the wall. <laughs> yeah, we were already stuck against the wall. Like, holy shit, we're stuck against the wall. And um, but I feel like some of us, as we've become woke to energies and our own energies and other people's, we've gotten good at maneuvering around the wall. And you have to get good at that because you're like all like running from somebody else's runaway puke. <laughs> <laughs> you know that ride you're like is that person gonna throw up and then they throw up and it goes right back on their face and just oh sits my there. god stop <laughs> Do you like puke sandlot oh yeah i have a puke thing. yeah <laughs> you have a puke thing you don't like it i'm a puker like of the things that i always say you're either a puker or a shitter you're either somebody that's kind of just comfortable where you can just like, <laughs> like one talk or the about other. it huh like talk about it yeah. Like some, I just, oh, or talk okay. about it or, um, or do, it. do it like in life. When I, if I have to puke, it doesn't scare me. I know some people that it's so foreign to, they like, for me, it's just not a foreign thing. If I get a migraine, I have to throw up. If I eat something weird and think about it too long, I'll just want to throw up. Like I, you. I just am in my head. I got you. I'm a shitter. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't have as many issues with, uh, with that. Like even my friends that know me, um, they'll like with a, with a story like maggots would gross me out and someone will be telling a story or something and I'll just like get a look about my face and they'll be like, get out of your head. <laughs> get on out of there. Get out of your head right now because the image you're creating in your head is going to make you nauseous. When I think about things that I don't want to be thinking about recently, I literally just say no. Just no. Like something pops up. No. I tell it to go away. I've been saying some things aloud and present to energy of lately in that same regard of like, I don't want to, or I don't like this, or asking myself aloud, why are you feeling this right now? I got I just float between complete disassociation and feeling every single fucking feeling I have to the umpteenth degree. There's no in between. <laughs> I know. It just feels like a real foreign existence sometimes. It, it almost, I, I know, like all the way detached is too much trauma. You can't be all the way detached. 
Like that's the goal. I know they talk about detachment is the goal, but there is this there's level. There's a fine line in detachment. There's a there's yeah. a level of detachment where I don't give a fuck about anything. Mm-hmm. And that's different from like the type of detachment that I think that our type of like a spiritual idea about. of detachment. Right. right. Yeah. I don't want to be the level of detachment that I'm talking about. That's not a good place for me to be, but I float there sometimes. Don't you? It's just weird in all the normal things. Like if we had this exact same conversation 10 years ago, it would have been a weird conversation to have on top of the programming 10 years ago. And the idea that we're having this conversation on top of the programming and trauma, the other trauma, we're just talking about the trauma of healing from our childhoods. Look at the trauma of like just three just weird like natural years. existence yeah. of reality. <laughs> yes. Of reality. Just everyday trauma. Like it's all know. an agreed upon thing. Every single agreed upon thing that whatever you think is dumb, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you fall on. It doesn't matter for any argument. There is no aisle. That's what you need to realize. But yeah, on. but it's like if you just don't participate in the thing. I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes it's so simple to me. And then other times I'm like, I don't know. I can see too many sides of everything. Everything becomes infinite sides. Every word becomes an infinite description of words. And I don't know why when people are like, but why, why do all this? Why not just go live life and lay on the beach and have a Corona? Right. Why don't we all act like Ray? You know? Yeah. Like just accept our program. Vibrate higher, accept your programming do the things that you think that you like. But this is the thing that should be said about Ray. Ray hates his job. Right. And he wants to do the thing the same way we all have a dream of wanting to do the thing, but we're all kind of still conditioned for the thing that makes us financial stuff. Like we have to have financial finances. And then you're like, once you make the decision of like, I'm signing up for this amount of time of my day to go to somebody else, I might as well get this much currency from the game. So at least I can enjoy the other part of my life. That's the thing that Ray won't talk about is that he doesn't, he doesn't want to pay for a wife. He doesn't want to like have to work that hard. He's like, I have an, like a set of expenses and if I start playing poker like three or four days a week, like I can make enough money to pay for my expenses and I'll golf five or six days a week. And then like, I don't care about anything else. Like I could never have sex again in my life. I'm like, if you can say that you've never had great sex ever, but like some people are content with that limited existence. And like that for me in this reality is just unacceptable, you know, like, <laughs> Like, I want to be happy with, like, the simple things, But, like, I guess. a nun or monk life for you is, like, no way, Jose. Like, that reality for you is, like, an unfathomable video game character. Mm -hmm. But, like, I want it sometimes. I don't know. I just, I want a wild life. I just want a partner in crime the whole time. It could become so monotonous and it's just us, but, like that would be a decision we'd make together. Not just like, I never want to do it. I never want to expand my thinking ever again. If let's say <clears throat> total, like the re glitteriest red pill, Nassara, Dasara, everybody in the 
fucking United States, every man, woman, and child gets $500,000. Okay. How much changes? Nothing. Like, really changes. It would be fucking chaos. Here, oh my God, I just had a thought. Nasara Gasara, in my opinion, would allow them for like the big, huge, great reset that they want, the NWO. Because think about it. We would all be a bunch of fucking buffoons. It'd be like the same people that's like my lottery nightmare type TV show. Everyone would go out and buy new cars and buy a bunch of blow and the strippers would make a killing. I don't think anything would change. That to me promotes the idea of um, I'm always saying that I think they're conditioning us to ask for anarchy and or the purge giving all of us $500,000, I think leads to like crime and a purge. I'm just wondering, like, maybe that's, maybe that's the part of, I don't think think it makes crime money would. Well, cause the criminal would have $500,000 too. Well, think about this. Every, no, I'm not gonna say every, a majority of the people who follow me, who, Let's say we we all got a couple acres and five hundred thousand dollars. Those people and a mule. Those people are going to start thinking about like homesteading and mm-hmm. fortitude and what could I like? How could I take this money and like better myself to be off the grid? So like that's what some, not all, of the woke individual is going to do. Wouldn't all of a sudden the skill become the value again? If everybody had $500,000 and everybody like, let's say that was the trend that happened. Everybody wanted to live off grid because they saw doomsday coming and they were like, I have this money. I might as well run. Then being a person that knows how to do those things, the house, the plumbing, the electrician, the carpenter, like the skill is always going to be the value regardless of how much money. Definitely. I mean, yeah, there's always need for services, certain services for sure. And people are always going to want to have houses. So some people, I just feel like if you're really smart during a time of certain like that, don't skate when everybody else is skating stay working. It's like a worker ant mentality during that time. Don't throw up your hands and party, gather there, like do the skill for them, for the currency, because everybody's going to be so flippant with that money. If they had it, like the people, the people who have money now will continue to have the same amount of money. It will just be a certain amount of time for the rubber band to bounce back. Because everyone's like, oh, well, your taxes are paid or your house or your whatever. Yeah. And then people go buy a boat tomorrow, move into a bigger house or get a bit another car or whatever, quit their job. Like it's like people will do the thing to get them back in their cycle. It's like where they're like, you can't get gastric surgery unless you change your mentality. You know, like you, you will be fat always. You will choose to do the thing that got you there unless you change your mentality about the thing. And then I'm like, fuck, if you could change your mentality about the thing, you may not need the surgery. Right. It's kind of like the same, like, you know, Pam Anderson, if she liked her little tits and just realized, like, I love this. Think of how much pop culture would be different if that wasn't a trend that was supposed to happen to get us to now to transhumanism. 
Pam Anderson tits are all part of the transhuman agenda. That's how far back I'll go. That's the t-shirt. <laughs> People will be like, what? We're going to have the most random t-shirts ever. Joan Rivers is part of the transhuman agenda. <laughs> well, for sure. And a little expose in any sort of way. I don't know that anything would change for the majority of Americans if they were given $500,000 each. I think most of most individuals would be have spent that money within a year's time. I think so too. And have nothing to show for it. I think they might have a car or a house. Some people might have a couple of trips. Um, I think if like tons of jewelry will be sold, like the frivolous bullshit that you will not even be able to conceptualize, like you'll be on a 20 year wait for a Birkin bag, you know, like those things will go up. You'll be on like an 18 year wait to go down. It'll be, but things will be long waits for certain periods of time. And then they'll dwindle quickly with people that can't come up with whatever the other end of the thing. Oh yeah. For 365 (laughs) days, the wait on certain things would be crazy, but then it would die down. But then in other aspects, the wait for skilled labor, like for example, we're not even in this hypothetical right now. I want to get my Bronco painted black because you know, naturally and the one that's reco- why the that's one the recommendation that I received from all the people I've asked thus far in the last 10 days, one recommendation, and he has a two to three year waiting list. I'm going to tell you because it's skilled labor and people don't know how to work on those cars anymore. They've all been to computer school now for mechanics and it's not the same. It's right. totally because it's like, let me plug in my iPad and then press a few buttons and see what's wrong with your car. And then I'll take off this plastic with this certain tools that are only made for this car. Um, the whole fucking thing, the psyop of immigration is because South America and fucking Mexico has skilled fucking labor in a way that the United States does not have. They need to open the borders for a certain amount of time because there is no skill in the labor force of the United States of America anymore. Where are all, I mean, in addition to skilled <laughs> labor, like what has happened to all of the people that we're unemployed. Like if we believe those numbers, if we believe there are 7 billion people in the world and blah, 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 bullshit. Like I, I go back to my thoughts on the 18 million people in China that I think disappeared in March of 2020 uh, with the incinerators. I feel like a great deal of people are missing here. Like, dude, you know how everything they tell us about China, it's so overpopulated, blah, 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 blah. Australia has the same amount of people. It's like as big as we are. The United States of America has the same amount of people as California and China never tried to take them over. They don't even have a gun and they know it. Everybody knows it. Like it's this huge, huge piece of land. There is no resources. There's no minerals under there. Why don't you do biological warfare on uh, Australia? You know, like if you ever wanted to test something out and take people out, introduce it on an island. Or has it been done already? Limit this travel. is my theory. Hashtag kangaroos. Oh, <laughs> hashtag kangaroos, y'all. That's the Chimara whole thing or Chimera or whatever it is, where it's the mix Chimera? of the animals. Chimera. Yeah, that's what it is. 
it's the mix of the animals. And sometimes I think like pigs are the American kangaroo in a way where it's just like the chimera that did not quite make okay, the jump. You need jump. to explain this a little more, everyone. Janie well, thinks that the architects, whomever, the that lizard in different people, countries, the aliens, the evil day, whatever you want to pick. In each country, we almost have like a token human animal hybrid. So the one, I mean, the one in North America or America would be this like human rat hybrid that equated to the pig. In Australia, it would be the human. What do they mix with a kangaroo? <clears throat> what do they mix? I don't even know. I just look at certain things and they she give me a human. A, yeah. That a like dolphins. Like they give me a vibe that I'm like, there's something too human about you, bub. And kangaroos give me the same vibe and pigs give me the same vibe. And I probably, if I thought about each place more, I would be like, yep, that's a human. Goats are kind of weird. Like, I don't know. Um, and uh, it's not because we're, it's like, they're just some mix of the, the same way Senator Minotaur, we were talking about all that stuff earlier. I think all that stuff probably existed like science and uh like Circe on 300 it's like if you were a really rich person and you had a whole bunch of people like the unsullied on the game of thrones you just do that you make your choir cut their dicks off so they continue to sing high just to sing you don't you don't do other weird stuff to be like, I'm going to create. You're telling me every world leader from the beginning of time is like, I'm going to create a super soldier. They have a Merlin or a scientist or an earth philosopher or an alchemist or a witch or somebody working on that shit. Always. Some of the money is going toward making the Black Hawk helicopter. Always like whatever the level of technology technology or sorcery there's always somebody giving money to that thing so i just think us in the science experiment of it all some of us didn't make the cut kangaroos Kangaroo. <laughs> strange 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 i think it's about that time yeah my dog is looking at me like mama it is time to eat the end is near and so the we end face. Is near. Thank you so much for chatting curtain. with me tonight. It's super fun as always. If you made it this far, uh sorry for all my whining, but um Lonely Hearts Club, you know. They like it. They're glad you're back. Even they're sad that you have a broken heart, mm -hmm. but they're glad you're back. Back at it again. Well, <laughs> If you've made it to this part of the episode, you are an elite member of the class. And in the most apropos emoji available, I would like you to leave the bouquet of flowers on any recent post you see of mine. Tweet me, Instagram me, comment, like, send me a story, anything. Send us the bouquet of flowers. You can send the bouquet know. of flowers and you can sign it with a clever something thing anonymous. <laughs> Let us know you watched the episode by putting a bouquet of flowers and your, maybe you'll tell us like what the flower card would say if you sent us flowers. <laughs> yeah. You can send my Maria a voicemail and tell her if you've ever done anything awkward like this.
the most Please. awkward thing. I would love to hear your awkward stories and love so I could play a couple of them the next time we get together or my next solo sesh. I would love that. All you got to do is like record an audio message. Any of your phones has this and then email it to me at my Maria seven, 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 seven. Did I say that right? Four sevens at gmail.com. Where can everyone find you? Projecthaney.com. And they can find me Chaney underscore in underscore wonderland. They have to put the whole thing in on Instagram and project Chaney on Instagram and project Chaney everywhere, except on true social where I'm just Chaney C H A N E Y. Don't you love that? Get a, get in early on an application and you have an OG name like that. Yeah. I dig it. I, it's like my, the amount of other names that I got that are equally as Jim and just like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just happy with my own. I'm like, I haven't even gone into any of those and I don't post there at all. You know, it's like the most fucking barren wasteland. It's just, um, it's almost like if they didn't take down the board sometimes, like if the boards weren't always effed with. You can follow things in the same way on Twitter. The hashtags are just dead. Definitely. Well, thank you so much. Listen, like subscribe. I would love it so much if you would uh, leave me a review, even if you just left me five stars, but if you left five stars and like a, an actual review you wrote out, it would mean so much to me getting my shit together. This is episode 93. Oh, where am I? So, my Maria seven 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 on Instagram, Twitter, here obviously. But right now I'm so shadow banned. So on Instagram I am posting at the Oracle three three three, and I would love it if you would follow me there. We love feedback. Send me and Cheney podcast feedback. Send me some uh people you might want to hear on here, and I promise you'll have an episode next week. Love you. Goodbye. Bye-bye.